You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm your host, Doc Coyle. Thank you, as always, for checking out the show. I, after taking a long break, I put out an episode last week, and you know, I'm back again, trying to get back on top of this stuff. So thank you for, for your patience. Um, but things have been going well. I'm in Finland right now, and we've been doing, you know, I, w- I, was, I was led to believe that Finland is not Scandinavia. It is a Nordic country. So I, I don't want to, you know, say the improper thing, but it, it's, it's been great. I love these countries. Not for nothing. I, I feel like everything runs a little better over here. Things a little cleaner. Everyone's a little happier. <laughs> I think in, in another life, you know, Doc Coyle and his, his lady might have to come out, come out to Scandinavia and, and, and turn, turn our backs on America. Just kind of have to learn. Learn some Swedish or some Danish or something. And these are hard languages. I'll tell you, the, like, the Finnish words just look, they look crazy and they sound crazy. I don't think I'm I'm ready for that. But we've definitely gotten to a flow playing with uh, with Ice Nine Kills. It's a wild environment. It's, it's very interesting because I play and you have this distinct feeling like, you're like, no one's watching me. <laughs> there's so much going on obviously spencer is the is the big star but there's so much happening on stage with uh you know the acting and it's just it's it's really it's a really fun environment uh and you know i feel pretty locked in and and i'm i'm having a good t- good time with it everyone in the band is great the crew is great it's uh i feel very fortunate and uh you know th- this little gap right here it's all headline shows and we don't play with Metallica again till next week, sometime next week. So looking forward to that, of course, going to be in Paris, playing the big old, the big old stadium. But anyway, I was uh, getting ready to do this monologue. And uh, by the way, I'm doing this on Twitch right now. It's happening live. So some people are going to see me do this. But for those not on Twitch, <laughs> I was trying to think about what I was going to talk about. I was going to talk about this Tucker Carlson thing and... Uh, I decided to kind of to pivot because more more things have happened, um, and I'm sure you guys have heard about this. There was a uh, a guy, a homeless guy, who was killed on a subway in New York, and apparently he was being loud and kind of uh, maybe harassing some people on on the train, and a former Marine uh, 
you know, I guess put the guy in a chokehold and he died. Uh, this guy's name was uh, Jordan Neely. And, you know, there was a pretty big kind of uproar about this almost immediately in a very partisan manner, you know. And I, in these situations, always, I, you know, I just have an issue with the way how reflexive everyone just goes to their corner and kind of it's almost like they have the script for what it is and then they've already decided what it is and then go back and then find the facts quote unquote that fit the narrative they already decided it was from the beginning um and this situation i feel like is a lot less clear cut than other scenarios. You know, it's not like a, a a George Floyd situation where it's a police officer who has training and should know better. Um, it's not a situation where, you know, even though this guy was perhaps yelling or getting in people's faces or, or people felt threatened, I don't think he actually physically harmed anyone. Um, and it's, it, you know, it's it, one thing I think we need to stop doing um, for the one side of this field is I don't think it always makes sense to just make someone a hero just because they died, you know, or, you know, and, and I don't know if technically that is a martyr, you know, by, by virtue of them dying, they, be, they become kind of a symbol, you know, but the sole fact that they died does not make them heroic. Someone going into a burning building to save someone and dying is a hero. You know, someone, you know, if there's a shooting and someone's going in to stop the shooter and they died on that, that's a hero. But just dying in the act of kind of having, you know, a mental episode or, or something does not in and of itself make you a hero. Um, and it also doesn't necessarily make you a symbol for anything. Um, but I think the, the people in each, each of these corners just go immediately. So the one corner goes, well, clearly this was wrong. It's murder. And, you know, murder, something is only murder in the context of the law. So someone can't be a murderer unless the unless they are convicted of that. All we know is someone was killed. Um, we don't know what was going on during that situation. You know, people felt threatened. But we do know that whatever this guy was doing, he probably didn't deserve the death penalty, right? Um, and we could also perhaps make you know, use some good faith in the idea that the man who choked him didn't want to kill him or didn't mean to kill him, you know? And it's, so it's this, and, and so on the opposite side, you have this group of people who immediately want to go, you know, make it about, you know, there's a dangerous criminal and kind of like they're really into this vigilante justice thing, you know, and that, you know, the cities are out of control, and there's a, a giant parallel uh, 
this is a very to a very famous case that happened in 1984. This guy uh, Bernard Getz, who shot uh, four young black guys um, on a train, and they were apparently ro- uh, robbing him or attempting to rob him. And uh, this is a, was a massive story. There's a whole there's like documentaries about it. In fact, the uh, the scene in in um, the Joker movie where the the Wall Street guys are are messing with um, Joaquin Phoenix and he shoots him is is actually inspired by this this case. And uh, if you look up that that case, and this is you know the some of the peak crime eras of, of New York where it was really, really violent. I mean, I'm talking, there's a time period there was, you know, you're getting 2000 murders a year in, in New York city. And it was truly was dangerous. And these guys got shot. And, uh, before they even knew who Bernard Getz was, they made him a hero because crime was so bad. They were, they were like happy. And then eventually he turned himself in out of guilt and then became, uh, and then he got off. And he was kind of a hero, <laughs> and in, and in time past, it turns out he was just a violent, racist, <laughs> kind of crazy guy. Um, but it speaks to this idea that if crime is bad enough, or if people feel that there's there, the environment is so untenable that people have to take things in their own hands. By the way, this is also uh, Death Wish. That uh, original series was inspired. By Bernard Getz, you know, uh, and the whole idea with Death Wish, it was like uh, Charles Bronson is like a pacifist and his like wife gets murdered or raped or something. And then he goes on a killing spree. And that was a big theme in films in the late 70s and early 80s, whether it was that or Dirty Harry. Uh, and a lot of times, you know, it was the, the, the singular white dude coming to, you know, take care of business with a gun. You know, so it's very embedded in our, I think, psyche, you know, but I think the better way to kind of look at this situation is that, A, we should want an environment that is safe, right? We're we're like, I don't think it's necessarily a great thing to like normalize the fact that mentally ill people or homeless people are terrorizing people, even if they're not physically hurting them. Like, we should want to do better there. We should want a situation where people feel safe. And we should take steps to kind of figure that out. Um, but it also doesn't mean, you know, every, you know, it's like the Watchmen and there's vigilantes on every corner. You know? And that it's, that we're, you know, the, I think the right wing in this country right now is really into this idea of um, justified violence. They're they're very captivated by it and they're motivated by it. I think that's a big thrust of the gun buying culture in the country the last 20 years is this idea that someone's coming to get me, I gotta take matters in my own hands. Um, and, you know, like I said, I w- I'd be willing to give this person the benefit of the doubt that they didn't mean to kill this guy. They just was trying to subdue him. And, you know, it was an accident. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know. But jumping into these corners where this is the hero, this is the bad guy, you know, 
Life isn't always that way. It's a lot more complex. Most people are trying to do the best. I think you had a mentally ill guy who's probably who had a lot of issues that we have a system that hasn't figured out how to deal with these people and how to help them. Because if you help them, then you help everyone else. Um, but we don't also know how to deal with people who are doing their best to like make a situation more safe. You know, I think it's a very murky and I don't think it's clear cut. And I wish we would stop going to our corners and just reflexively, this, this is who's good. This is who's bad, you know, you know, and you know, I think there's also a big, you know, a slight parallel to like, uh, what was the kid in, uh, who shot, I'm forgetting the guy's, the guy's name. Um, the young kid who got who got off you know self defense, but it's it's very similar where like they made him a hero, and it's like you're not a hero, man. You killed people, like <laughs> you know. We, we I I just don't think we should be celebrating death, you know, for non. You know, it's like okay, this person chopped up forty people. Okay, he got the death penalty. I guess we're we're not too sad about that, but. You know, most things do not require that type of uh, response. And it doesn't mean that, that the person meant to do it. They were probably just trying to help. And, you know, and who knows? And maybe there's more to that. And I don't know. You know, maybe the guy was the guy who choked him out. Maybe he does have issues. Maybe he was, did have, uh, he was filled with anger. Who knows? But I think the way this has been politicized, I think is really, just really screwed up. And we, we got to stop being so reactive on all sides. All right. That's my rant. <laughs> uh, so we do have a, a show sponsor this week. This is a band. Where are these guys from? I'll look it up in a, in a second. But uh, they're, they're ba- the band is called Nictophile. I think that's a cool name. Nictophile. Sounds very evil. We're going to play uh, a new song from them entitled I Am Become destruction.
just heard I am become destruction from Nyctophile and I looked it up. They're from Southern California. They're an extreme metal band. That is their second single that has come out this year and they will have more music out in 2023. I have to say, I really, really enjoyed that. I, I feel like they kind of do everything well. It had some black metal vibe going on there. I like the clean vocals. I was produced well. It had and it had style to it. You know, it had you know some some edge and and, and personality. And you know, I think those guys are going to do some cool things. Just to let you know the way the the band's name is spelled. It's N Y C T O P H I L E, um, and. I'm pretty sure I saw on Spotify they had a they have a 2018 record. I hope it's the same band, so check that out. They have a couple other singles out there anywhere where you stream music. If you want to check the band out, uh, go to their Instagram page. Um, it's nictophile underscore official. And if you want to drop them an email, it's nictophileband at gmail.com. Thank you so much to them for sponsoring the show. Uh, if you'd like to sponsor the show, Shoot me an email at thexmanpodcast at gmail.com. Remember, that is EX. Or just, you know, get in my DMs. There's a little backlog right now, but we can probably fit you in. So, awesome. All right. Long intro aside, we do have a guest this week. And it's uh, someone I'm just really good buddies, buddies with. Chris Garza from Suicide Silence. We did this at his studio because of his excellent podcast that I've also been a guest on. And so he was kind enough to record the audio and video. And it was just fun hanging out with him. And I'm, I'm lucky I, I live pretty close to him. I see him all the time. Uh, he's just a wonderful, wonderful human being, talented guy. Uh, Suicide Silence is having a big kind of a renaissance right now. I'm looking at their, their whole tour uh, they're doing right now with dying fetus looks like it's like selling out every night and they're just kicking ass and i'm i'm just so happy to see good things happen to good people and it's uh it's been too long uh i should have had chris on earlier but it made sense with their new album which came out not too long ago as well so i'm gonna stop running my mouth uh chris's family i love them so check out this incredible conversation with chris garza Waves looking. I mean, you're you're. I think feel like your wave. So now that you're you're a man of vocal lessons, a man <laughs> of strong, <We're> trying, <laughs> strong man. vocal projection. You know, see, me. I just think about Malcolm and Obama. You know, it's like came here today. You know, that's like there's that kind of I and mean, you're doing that that kind of voice. But then there's then there's also podcast NPR voice. Like of course. Well, today on the program we have a microbiologist. You know, and if that's people, people think you're smart, you know, when you talk yeah. like that. So, but I listen to all my shows or most of them. So I get to hear mm. kind of the vocal char characteristics. I'm always, always wor working on it and trying to improve and things of that nature. You, so you still listen back to most of my shows. Yeah. Oh, you, wow. You don't? No, I stopped a while ago. No. Well, for me, it's important because A, I want to know how I'm doing. Mm hmm. And I want to be able to just listen to, you know, how I'm setting up questions, if I'm listening, if I'm over talking, if I'm mm. using too many 
transitional ums and yeahs and likes and all all that stuff. That's me. Well, that's and that's. I don't want to hear that. That's most of us. <laughs> and uh, it's really really important. Hold on, I'm just gonna leave this open so I can look at my notes. Of course. Display. Um, auto lock. Never. Boom. All right. Well, it's so. Here's how I'm gonna answer this. Okay. So it is very odd to welcome someone to the X Man podcast in when I'm on their home turf. It's like a home game, but away. All yeah. right. So you have all of the advantages. No. Even though you're in you're in the 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 kind of the hot seat right now, so yeah. that might, might might be a little bit different, you know, for you. But uh, thank you for letting me use this wonderful studio. You guys have no idea how nice his studio is. I feel thank you, Doc. like the Appreciate biggest it. piece of shit <laughs> <laughs> podcast man when you when you come in here. I think you it's you and uh Craig Reynolds are probably like in terms of production, you guys are crushing it. Craig's sick, dude. Yes. Yeah. He is very sick. Tell him I hopefully he's listening. I want to go to your podcast, you fuck. Well I was supposed to be on the show when Bad Wolves was in Glasgow, but he was having construction done mm. on his apartment and sure. stuff and, and we had to cancel it. So I was listen, I wanted that that cool guy scene clout. Yeah, dude. Um and he's just a cool guy. You know, when you're just like, Oh, that that guy's cool. You want to be a part of that. So Of course. Next time in Glasgow, we gotta make it happen. So he, So it's in Glasgow. Yes, he lives in Glasgow. Well, since you might be listening, there is a little bit of podcast beef with me and him because I, uh, I invited because he plays drums and Stray. Yes, which they're fucking sick, and they've been in town uh, twice. And I asked him, not not him, but the band to come on, and yeah. I, I got I got radio silence. Radio so silence. I'm pissed, dude. This right. is this is real beef. No, I'm kidding. No, people get busy. I, I know it happens. Yeah, it's hard during the day, and especially if. The thing is, if they are they if they're in a van, it makes it real tough because mm -hmm. they gotta drive. They gotta. It's not like you're in a bigger band where you can. Oh, we're, we're you know you wake up, you're there. You get a a runner to take you over. It's probably a, a you know might be a little tougher. I don't know. It might be on a bus, but uh, sure. It's uh it can it can be difficult. We 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 know it, especially if you're sure. you're, on a, you're on a long tour, and uh, sometimes you're doing meet and greets. Sometimes mm -hmm. you have other press. It's can, it can it can be quite quite a bit, but uh, welcome to my show. But it feels like <laughs> your show, so that's all right. This no, this is this is your this is your shit, man. This is your shit. We're taking over, all right. We're take we're taking it back. But yeah. uh, but no, it, even before we kind of started the show officially, you and I were talking about the mechanisms of podcasting and the art and the craft of it all and you mm -hmm. kind of you know talking about our di different methodologies mm -hmm. but we saw i mean I, I don't i don't know if you're in this this camp of during the pandemic everyone started podcasts and all kinds of different shows and and, sure. and, and media what was your primary inspiration for starting a, a podcast uh one was i knew i was just like everybody else i'm like okay i'm starting a podcast in a pandemic <laughs> bad bad first start right so I wanted to make sure that it's it's basically it's not it's like when you know when someone says that they're in they're in a band you're like okay sure it, it's like that you know my I I don't want to be that person like you know I have I have a podcast I'm like no this is I'm serious I I love it and this stems from uh, right when Eddie joined joined the band uh, the whole band because we had three crazy tours lined up he Eddie got thrown to the wolves and he doesn't get any credit for it like he our first tour uh, was Soundwave. 
Mm-hmm. In Australia? Yes, which is a massive European festival. And then... A European festival in Australia. I mean, yeah, whoops, sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm, only, I'm, not, I'm not doing my copy yet. That's all right. And, We're going to start snorting the grounds pretty soon <laughs> to, get, to get, get right to the brain. I'm, I'm almost there. Uh, yeah, and they had the European festivals in June. Uh, all main stage slots that we never had before as a band, even with Mitch. And then we went straight. Then we, we just got the the Mayhem tour with Avenged and Corn and Cannibal Corpse. We we got literally the best case scenario lined up. So we got really really lucky there. So right before we embarked on that uh, hell of, of a journey, we saw a group therapist around here. He specialized in a group grieving that lost a, a loved one, a family member, and um, English Richard. He was he was gay. He was awesome. And we started going to therapy once a week, full band, and it was weird. And uh, so is this the four members plus Eddie, plus Eddie as well? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so if he he would kind of come in, he wouldn't be in some sessions. The therapist was having us do like band yoga to trust each other because we would do like trust falls and like it was it was interesting. And then the band stopped going, and out of curiosity, I started going just as do solo solo. Uh, hangs and uh sound, it sounds weird to say which it is that he had a fan that was a patient a fan of suicide Silence. yeah so a fan found out we were there so the therapist calls me to go into a session and become a therapist it's weird uh it's cool it was really cool but uh, yeah i would basically i was, I was sat down uh kind of like what i'm doing now like at the opposite side <laughs> you know it's just and then I was listening to this young gentleman talk about his life, and it's a really cool exchange with energy. You know, I, th- I like, you know, I like listening. And then around the same time, uh, Mark got said the word podcasting, and I, I, I don't, I didn't know what it was at all. <laughs> at all, my like, podcast. What the hell is that? And yeah, you go download like the Apple fucking app, and so I did that. And then I got into Dave Asprey, heavy than Dave Asprey, uh, Tim Ferriss, like kind of like the still like that self help. Yeah, because I was still a fucking alcoholic so i kind of went into like that world and then this right out of the gates just like just like hearing corner slipknot i i listened to the podcast i'm like i want to do this yeah like this is i think i could do this and that's only happened three times in my life one was hearing corn one wanted to be in a band i knew i knew i knew how i was i want to be in a fucking heavy ass band boom long hair monkey you know hang out dude. <laughs> and then uh after the after that group therapy i want to be a therapist but then obviously there's school involved i don't want to go to school i'm an idiot so then i was like no no, i'm not gonna do that but then the podcasting i was like i want to do that but it was just a thought in my head uh, and then i didn't have the emotional mental capacity to do anything else but suicide science i just me and my fiance just split up right after mitch passed away so there's no I made the commitment for years. I'm going to be single. I'm doing this because it's going to be crazy. So I didn't really do it. And then obviously fast forward to uh, 2020. Uh, there was time. Time. And we all sat there. And uh, I was with my uh, favorite person, my, my girlfriend, for some time. And then told her, hey, I, I, I want I want to do this. Let's just do this. And it's a pandemic. And there's, you know, we're out there shopping for couches. It was a fun time. Yeah, well obviously or maybe it's not obvious but i listen to you on other people's shows right like mm-hmm. anytime someone interviews you oh and, cool and so i feel like i have a, a good amount of insight and i'm sure the people who listen to your show have a lot of insight into what you've gone through because they're you know you're being open about that mm-hmm. one of the things you you talked about on when you were on uh finn's podcast was 
how you never used to talk, that you yeah. were a quiet guy. Mm -hmm. And you know, yeah, well, yeah, but yeah, yeah, but that was I think my my perception of you. Not that you didn't didn't talk, but you were a, a pretty reserved guy. Yeah. So when you were starting a podcast, it was a little bit like, oh, that's that's mm -hmm. that's strange. Mm -hmm. Um. But then when you kind of explain your story of, oh, well, this happened and that happened and that happened, it's mm -hmm. this, it makes me think about all these kind of key moments in your career that are, you know, traumatic, right? Yes. So, whereas, whereas you wouldn't think like, okay, in many ways, this thing leads to that thing, which leads to that, that thing. And, and yeah. you, know, you know, the Mitch thing is so monumental, right? It's like mm -hmm. this thing, it's this kind of breaking point for if this thing didn't happen, then who knows, like your life would have been a different life. Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, and I don't know. So it just kind of makes me think about that, that moment of maybe you just, you changed, right? You evolved into a different kind of person. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. And that, and that, that took years, yeah. you know, when you, you know, Mitch was the awakening factor that, uh, you know, you got to change and, and I made a commitment. I, I tried so hard not to talk about the self-help stuff, but it just it always comes up. You know, that's that that journey. And then, you know, once why do, why do you not try to talk about it? Uh, you know, it's, you think it's like cheesy or something? Uh, it's not or, cheesy. It's just I know some people get like, oh, and then a guy talking about yoga and, and Tony <laughs> Robbins. You know, I don't want to be that guy, but it, it is true. I got really in, into that. And then what was really scary is that. Uh, all these things I held back my, my whole life. Like there, once you get out of a cloud, you, there was another one and then clear that cloud that is, there's all these things that were not dealt with, with myself personally, uh, the band suicide songs, there's all these things. And once I got in, out of this one cloud, a, a whole other one. Yeah. And it took, uh, it took years, you know? Well, it's interesting with the, with the band, especially when you started young and that's all, you know, and in some ways mm -hmm. the, the collective is bigger than the self. So you're always trying. Yes. So I, what I imagine, and you, you tell me if I'm wrong here, is you guys were dealing with group therapy and you were dealing with like these internal dynamics between each other. Mm -hmm. But then even outside of that, like you said, you had to, if you are personally dealing with a bunch of different stuff that is related to the band, but ultimately is about your personal journey. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, it's great that we're dealing with this band stuff and this collective stuff, but you're your own individual and you got to figure your own path out. Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, just trying to figure out your own, our own path, you know, not trying to figure out basically, basically what I think we all struggle with, you know, who, you know, who am I, Yeah. you know, when, uh, when you're young and you just want to play guitar with your buddies and then that's all you've been like, like, like you said earlier, I mean, that's all, you know, and that's all you've been dealing for, uh, almost two decades. And then that kind of just stops, you know, and then you have to, you're forced into a situation where, uh, you have to, do something and i chose my road and other band members chose chose theirs but uh i always felt like my situation was a lot more extreme than other guys because i knew that uh because suicide silence is me and mitch that's just that's this that's the sound that i mean it's it's our band and then uh so once obviously he's gone like no one else could really fill that spot and no one else could kind of step up Cause I knew, and I knew kind of back then, like if I fuck up anywhere, the whole band's fucked, you know, you know, you know how it is like this member makes a decision, but it's kind of, it's still on you. So, you, so know? you you felt a unique responsibility or kind of burden to be the, 
Both. Like the, the strong one? Yeah, both. It's a burden. It's a responsibility. It's uh, it. I don't want to do it. I want to do it. It's 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 what <laughs> you know. It's just it, that's just how it's life, man. I mean, you can't we can't predict these these things. And then when you're once you're forced into these things, you got it. It is what it is, and 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 you got you got to do it. Well, I mean, it's difficult not to look at kind of the um, similarities and parallels between a lot of our careers, and given mm-hmm. what the theme of my show is, right, which is mm-hmm. often examining. Uh, a lot of other musicians and artists who had, you know, dealt with the same things I did, which was, mm-hmm. oh, I was doing my band. We had trouble, you know, we split up and then you're, you're trying to figure out what the hell your life is. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you and collectively the guys in the band are not X-Men by the traditional standard, mm-hmm. but you went through the same stuff as if your band had broken up. Right. Like, mm-hmm. like, yeah. And, and the other parallel is like what happened with Bad Wolves and splitting up with our singer and how devastating that situation was. Obviously a very different situation with you guys, but mm-hmm. I think that kernel of similarity is this idea of the question, will this work? Will we be okay? Will mm-hmm. the band survive? Will the fans accept it? Right? Sure. Those those are such that's fucking scary. You oh, know? yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of one one of those things and I knew one when I the first, uh, the first second I heard Eddie's voice, I knew it it had it had to be him. Under any means, I remember I remember like we heard it. I look behind me, Dan was there. I think Mark was there, and they they didn't say anything. We're kind of like I don't know, but I, I knew. I think he he has to he has to do it. If it's not him, we're not going to continue. Yeah. And then that poses like the next. Will, will he do it? And the timing with uh, which I'm not going to speak on. I'll, I'll perish. I'll, I'll, I'll let him talk about that. But sure. Um, like him, between him and the band, he was in a position where he could actually join our band. So timing was insane. Uh, I knew right out of the gates, like this is, which I was wrong. Uh, it's going to take him at least three records to get any footing, to do anything. And I was wrong. It's going to take more. And as long as we're willing to go through those multiple record cycles and ups and downs as long as we're willing to do that and not break up it, it, it's gonna be fine what but, do you mean by get a foot in uh like figure out how to be in this band and us which i didn't even i was so focused on him i wasn't even focused on myself like uh, us trying to understand him and that's still ongoing how, how, how do you be you know like what is his what is his spot in in his band i don't know uh, we're still trying to figure it out how, how to write together it's still because we, we were writing in a certain way the exact way until obviously so Mitch passed away you know we all get in the room we write music I don't even talk to Mitch at all no nothing because I, I know for, I know for sure <laughs> whatever we get Mitch he's gonna fucking throw this hook on her that like bro's like fuck <laughs> I mean geez I mean that's why that's why Mitch is a legend man it was only only he can do that and then so Eddie finding his footing was like you know how how he's gonna how is he gonna be in in this band as far as writing uh, his voice finding his voice in in a band that that shit takes years yeah years and for sure enough we're on that on that journey it's going to take years you know and we got through the worst of it i think the worst of it's pretty much over and um, we we've been through a lot but uh things like this you can't really plan you know it was, it was in my head and i'm kind of shocked that we're we haven't broken up well i mean you've, you've been through a lot and i just had 
Alex Lopez on the show. Yeah, yeah, I saw not, that not cool. that long ago. So in in many ways, you know, I we me and him together kind of walked through this journey, right? Of mm-hmm. how the band got from A to B. And even though he's on to other things and doing other things, mm-hmm. you know, even for him, his identity is still kind of wrapped up in this band and how how could it how could it not be? And it's yes. obviously very emotional and very just Mm-hmm. You've given your lives to this, so how can it not be something that's just sort of kind of, uh, yeah. uh, you know, important? But I don't want to go over all the same stuff because I feel like, at least for the listeners of my show, we've mm-hmm. we've kind of gone through that, some of the stuff. But I know your perspective is going to be different, so we're kind of sure. we're, we're going to get there. But before sure. we move to there, sure. I just want to talk a little bit more about the podcast and you saying how you wanted to be a therapist, yeah, and in. In many ways, the the process of being in therapy maybe opened up to this kind of idea of uh, catharsis through conversation. Yes, right, and figuring this out. And I think that's the that is the at the heart of what what makes this medium special, mm-hmm. right? Is this thing of as a listener, right? We can kind of empathically, right? The people who aren't here can kind of be that fly on the wall, and then for some reason you and I are having a conversation and then they feel that they're here, that they're with us. They're, they can yes. kind of go through that. It's a weird thing. Like, I don't really understand it, but like why yes. conversation is that um, connective or, you know, I, I know there's just something about it that mm-hmm. uh, is, is really special, but having like, how many shows have you done now? Uh, we're about to drop 70, 70. All right. Yeah. So what have you, a, it, it, do you feel like it scratches some itch in the same way, not only receiving therapy, but also mm-hmm. get, being the therapist for maybe the guest? Yes. Has it kind of scratched that itch? And what do you think you've learned from hearing 70 different stories? Yeah. Yeah, it's de- it definitely scratches the itch of being creative, which I didn't really know. It's kind of it's like music. You know, didn't really know what I was doing, but you're just doing it. Then you you learn things along the way. Yeah, uh, yeah. It definitely is kind of scratched that itch. You know, it was, it was kind of really cool to relive that time. You know, like because Suey starts and like it's literally it's just an idea. It's nothing. It's nothing. It's an idea that that fucking pops in your in your head or or, or your heart. And then same thing with this. Just building something from the ground up. It was really fucking fun and creative. And I got that kind of relive that 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 time and uh like the band i learned a lot about myself both the bad and and the <laughs> bad and, and the good you know and some something like this which i i i spoken about before i think uh i think artists hide behind the band name cuz i know that cuz i did that for my, my my whole career and it's different when you're actually in the front and now i definitely synthesize uh for for singers and like that the, the front woman or front front person it's like that's a lot a lot of pressure because now when i went now when i had the mic in my face and i just dove in it was uh a lot of shit happened like you have your biggest insecurity mic'd up you know i had a i had a really bad speech impediment i had uh things that you got to just fix in order to or in order to listen to somebody else and them tell their story and you be able to get their story out there in the best possible way. It, it just, it, it requires you to handle your own shit. Yeah. And it's just shit that, uh, I thought I processed that I, I didn't process. And that was, uh, these little insecurities that you had to fix, you know, 
okay, you know, I need to learn how to how to talk. Okay, then that opens up this whole other thing. Okay, I mean, for me to obviously, as we we're talking earlier, like. When I saw this, I'm pretty sure a lot of people were like, Garza is doing that? What the fuck? <laughs> that, 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 that Kawhi kid I thought hated me our whole, whole career. <laughs> I mean, so, and I knew, like, because the podcast and, and, and the suicides are, are kind of like one. I, not only was, not only am I, am I out there at the shows hanging out with these bands, I, I do represent the face of the band now. It's weird. I, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be a leader. I don't, but I just, that's just what it is. So I'm out there as much as I can representing the band and, and, and myself, and by representing myself, I also represent uh, Suicide. So it's like, I need to know how to communicate with people way more than I was. So I need to, you know, focus on just communicating and listening. And I just learned, you know, that this opens up like these, it's this weird shit that like opens up, like uh, you're forced to, you're forced to be present and you're forced into reality, like, you know, my, my, my parents are older and this is when you're always present, you're always trying to fix shit. Like you just, you can't, you can't avoid life. You yeah. know, it's just working, working your ass. This, this took a lot of fucking work, man. This yeah. took a lot of work. Well, I mean, so there's a lot of podcasts out, right, out there, mm -hmm. right? I mean, I don't even know how many thousands, millions for, for all I know. Mm -hmm. And most of them are not uh, kind of representing this level of, production value mm -hmm. mine included mm -hmm. uh so i know this stuff isn't cheap <laughs> oh yeah and uh I, i'm in serious debt you're in serious debt serious debt with this shit so yeah. is is the so is the plan to to be able to monetize it to a point where it it eventually recoups that and then becomes a, a money maker or is it like a, just a, a a passion uh project that's been more on my mind the past two weeks because uh very, I, I think I said this already 10 times, but uh, it's very similar to music where like you got to think a step ahead, two steps ahead, five. So I'm already doing that with like the podcast, kind of planning for the good stuff, but also planning for any disasters because that, that, that could happen as, as we experienced. And thinking steps ahead, it's really hard to see this being a profit anytime soon because I know for a fact that once, if I get lucky and the podcast gets a lot bigger or blows up at some point, there's still more expenses. Okay, if I get there, I'm gonna have to. Because right now we have our producer Zach, which uh, I think you met, and we just got an intern. So let's say the podcast blows up. Well, that income now I I, I need to actually pay my intern at some sure. point. You know, like so even that, uh, if there is a profit, I gotta pay back that fucking debt, and then there's other stuff I don't want to like disclosed yet what i wanted to do with with, with, with the podcast that's going to require a lot of money so i it's really hard to see the profit <laughs> however uh just, just like music man you go on tour you go go out in debt and then once the bank keeps getting bigger you keep buying more merch and more merch and okay now we gotta get a bus and then you're more in debt and like it's, it's really hard to see like the but you know i'm lucky to have the experiences with the band and be comfortable with uh, seeing these negative signs and just keep planning this and never ever compromise the vision. You know, sure. there's, you know, that this happened last week, you know, I could have got a massive guest and I said no, because uh, they wanted me to go to the venue. Oh, cause it would have changed the, yeah. the overall quality. Uh, you know, I said no to the, you know, like uh, uh, other, I'm not, I'm not leaving the room. Yeah, no, that's, I, th I think before the pandemic, I kind of, uh, prided myself on doing in-person interviews because I felt mm -hmm. at the time like 
Zoom and Skype was kind of lazy. And, and I remember mm-hmm. a lot a lot of times yeah. I would listen to shows and the, the quality was, you know, the audio quality was, sure. was compromised. Yeah. Uh, then the pandemic happens and it's kind of, you have to, you I had to embrace that. Of course. Um, and now I'm doing that most of the time. And part of it is because the video components and audio components are completely contained and it's it's mm-hmm. there's a convenience factor to it mm-hmm. but i think uh when it comes to we can see that with the biggest podcast right whether it's joe rogan sure or you know how, however many the you know the big show is uh what's his name lex friedman you know it's there's a strong video in-person component because a lot of people that's how they want to consume the content is they're my on no star you, on youtube and and what's that they're, they're, they're my no star. I, I look at them like, all right, I'm, I'm doing that. Sit, you yeah. know. No, I think it. I think it gives you a huge advantage in 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 the marketplace, especially. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, I don't. I don't know. Oh my goodness. I don't know the exact numbers. I mean, I can. You can see the uh, some of the charts and see where 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 mm, where yeah. people are, are at. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think because there's so many, and and I think yours because of that component. Uh, you know, I've noticed, especially on on TikTok, for example, mm-hmm. a lot of your content seems to have a viral component to it. Oh, wow. that, that, Thanks, a lot, that a lot of other that my show doesn't have. You know, because mm-hmm. you know, and I think it's partially some of the the guests you have and the subject matter you're talking about that's very relevant, culturally relevant, but also Whoa. there's a you know visual, great visual quality and great editing and all that stuff that matters. I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, I definitely uh, pride myself in uh, in doing this, and you know it, it's tough when you know when you're in debt, thousands and thousands of dollars, and then you see like this. I don't look at guests as like a money maker. However, I'm like, if this happens, this is gonna get a lot of fucking views. And then uh, I'm in debt, but not desperate. Yeah, you know, it's just like it's just like music. You know, you're not you're not gonna fucking. And it's just like this has to come. This has to be the best and. And first and foremost, but, but yeah, um, I guess it does, you know, I, I, I obviously it's no fucking surprise. You know, I love corn. I love Joe Rogan. He's, uh, he's, he's literally why I'm doing this, uh, kind of scary. I don't know how I'm going to approach this, but, uh, <laughs> I was, uh, I was smoking weed last week. You know, I let, I let, let smoke in his journal. I get questions. That's, that's my, that's my edge. What? Uh, it's weed. Edge when doing a show? Yeah, that's that. That's my. That's, Are you high right now? Oh no, I, I should be though. I should be, but uh, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll get um, I'll be home alone, smoke weed, get like some ideas, get that different like perspective, and then it's happened for the first time. I was like, whoa, my thoughts were mine, my ideas were mine. It was me, but the dialogue was Joe Rogan and his fucking voice to the fucking T. I was like, and, and also you're high. So you're like overthinking it. Wait, whoa, what is this? So what were you what were you writing? Like like interview questions? Or oh yeah, just saying questions, ideas. Uh, try to uh, uh, try to look into the future. So you're just you kind know? of it's just a, it's just a general brainstorm creative yes. session. Yeah, it's just creative. Like there's no like I, I don't go into it like I'm gonna do this. It's like I'm gonna let my mind kind of have its way and just kind of let go and let the demons come up and start fucking going. And uh, his. You know, obviously, he's he's why I'm, I'm doing this. You know, and I've listened to a a lot of podcasts, and I listen, especially from him, and they all, all the goats say, you know, eat shit for three years, eat shit, and that's uh that's kind of been my 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 mantra. I'm going on two. 
uh, just hanging on, just just hanging on, man, and uh, just eat shit and hopefully uh, put out the best stuff I can for for people that are, are fans of it, and also most importantly get the story of the bands out there because I know I, I know what it's like to be in a band and you're, when something tragic happens and your story's not out there, you're fucked. And that's also why another reason why I started this thing. So anything, as long as that the conversation's sick, as sick as I can be, and I get their story out there, it's kind of that's 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 the main thing. So I can't get their personal story out there if I'm going to go to a venue and start talking to them. You know. So what's the plan? Because this is the the rub with a lot of artists who have podcasts, like myself mm-hmm. and you, is when once we get on the road and mm-hmm. we're you know grinding and we're yeah. out out for you know six eight months out of a, out of a year. Yeah. Uh, do you, what's the plan? Is it just to just bank as much interviews while you're home and kind of slowly disperse those from the road, or what's mm-hmm. do you, so? And you you feel like you're going to be able to do that, have enough, or you, is it is it does it have to come out every week, or you're okay if it misses a week, or how, what's what's that like? Uh, I got lucky, and I've been around uh, some respected podcasters that are not in our scene. They're the, the ones I I listen to. Uh, similar in, in, in the Rogan sphere. And uh, I, I, I'm, I ask him questions, you know, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm, an, I, I, I'm a new podcaster and, you know, what, what do you do? And uh, the, there's a, a similar word I kept hearing and it's also my other mantra is consistency. Sure. So uh, I was like, I try, I've experimented pretty much, I'm done experimenting. Uh, like when we first started, the first six months was every week you were, you were like my 17th episode so you uh, you saw like the very early stages of it like every every week and then after six months i got burnt because i was doing everything i the lighting the cameras like the mixing and the videos i knew nothing about it i was posting it it was it was, it was hard and i took some time off then uh right when that happened the band was coming back in the garage to write the record so i got this spot and i was like okay maybe i maybe i'll do it you know every two weeks there's a flow I couldn't get into. I, I didn't, I didn't like that. And then I got, I met my, my favorite podcasters. And then I was like, I was like, fuck this shit. I'm doing it every week. I'm, 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 I'm just gonna go in. And obviously uh, you'll like, you'll fumble. But then that, uh, that taught me a whole other level of compartmentalizing my, my, my life and time management. It's all everything in time management, everything, sure. which uh, I think we all struggle with. I've, I still struggle with it. And the amount of time I put into uh, suicide silence and this has been pretty insane. Uh, I mean, obviously there was talking lack, lack of sleep, but obviously now the main goal is, you know, every week, every well, week. Well, th- well, but that is the, it's kind of the tortoise versus the hare, right? With, mm-hmm. with this, with the podcast game. And I've, I've had my periods of inconsistency, sure. but I, I tell my audience, I go, listen, music is always going to be my number one priority. Sure. And so, you know, there's just gonna be periods where I'm grinding and sure. I, just, I just can't, can't make it happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think they get that. And, and because there's a, con- so there's an overall consistency in terms mm-hmm. of the show is going to be here. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think what we've seen, which, you know, I, it was predictable at the time that, by the way, it wasn't just musicians who started podcasts or even pandemic. Everybody. Everybody did, right? Every, you know, soccer moms or drinking, oh, it was drinking nuts, wine dude. on there. It's still nuts, yeah. yeah. But uh, once the world reopened and things went back to normal, mm-hmm. slowly but surely you see a lot of people fall off. Yeah. Uh, because 
doing a podcast seems, oh, it sounds fun. It's easy. Anyone can do it. All you need is a mic. And then, like you said, you get into the 50 jobs you have to do sure. once, you know, besides just this, whether that's booking people, whether that's editing, whether that's yeah. doing social media, mm-hmm. um, all that stuff, research. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, people go, oh, it's, it's real work. It's work. It's, you know, and for, like for me, I'd say every episode I do probably is a is like one work day when it, mm-hmm. when it ter- comes to prep yes booking the guest mm-hmm. setting everything up recording it editing it because like i said i listen to pretty much all my shows and it's important for me to to do that and know what the content is and not sure. just you know because i just want it wanted to want to for it to be better and i can't do that yeah. by not analyzing the product of course you know so uh kind of going to switch gears a little bit, but this is still like kind of in, in relation to the podcast. Mm-hmm. But what I said before about this kind of viral element of some of the stuff you're putting out there and it's having some success on TikTok often is in conjuncture with this kind of new excitement around the, the death core. I mean, in mm-hmm. some relation to like the modern metal core scene, yeah. but this conversation, these new bands that are, taking off right bands are getting bigger than ever yeah. in this genre and you're kind of i think giving voice to that scene um mm-hmm. so i guess the two aspects of, of that in terms of like how you're having those, these conversations with a lot of a lot of new artists who are re- really connecting mm-hmm. but also suicide silence where you guys are this kind of classic band within this genre but also mm-hmm. now are kind of seeing this like second bump yeah, be, be, because of that, can you kind of speak to yes. that from both angles, not only from the podcast, but also like what you're personally experiencing as a band? Um, very lucky. You know, you can't predict the future. I, I couldn't have, have called this. You know, okay, I'm start a podcast, and okay, then the second wave of Death Course coming here, and then I'm gonna have Lorna Shore coming up. It's just kind of happened, and we're just we're lucky that uh, we got into this this wave. And um, I don't think we would have been into the wave if I didn't start this. Yeah, yeah, because this kind of awakened a lot of things uh, as far as like boring stuff, but uh, worth ethic alone. Uh, nothing against my band, but we're an average band from the early two thousands. We are jaded. Uh, so, so when <laughs> what, what do you mean you say you're an average band? What does that mean? Uh, I mean bands I noticed from a certain time because the bands that are in here in this room are. I can't put the words with you can feel it. They're fucking hungry. Yeah, and that was off on, on I mean. Uh, so when I take like, it helped me flip the switch. And then when you flip the switch and you get into a room with other people that haven't flipped the switch, it, it is noticeable. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of going on their time. But uh, what what happened was uh, the podcast started and then we, we were having internal conversations. Like this is, I, I almost quit the band like right when the pod started. I, I almost quit and then once we all talked in person and I got going that really started like the wheels started turning like fixing things behind the scenes like our business uh people that were involved with the band that you know didn't have our best interests in mind you know oh that's too like the pod and then once things started to click tourists started to come up and then be, before we know we're on tour with like Lorna Shore uh Distance uh, Signs of the Swarm all these sick ass fucking bands um, and then we just got on, we're just in, in this wave and it just kind of happens. 
but that really stemmed from like, all right, we made it like we really flipped the switch in our own way the, as far as like a band as, as a whole to really just step your game up. You know, uh, we stepped our game up behind the scenes a lot. Uh, maybe not where I want to be at, but you know, it's, it's I, they're, they're still in the band, so I can't really ask much more than that. And then uh, timing, man, timing. And uh, we got lucky that we flipped the switch in our own way. And then the wave happened and we're in it. Holy shit. <laughs> it's you, crazy. What What do you think is at the heart of this kind of jump in popularity from this genre of music? It's sick. I mean, I always thought Deathcore was fucking sick. I mean, when, you know, not knocking any of the Deathcore bands out now, but I mean, you know, back in our day, you know, <laughs> but I mean, uh, it's, there was no Deathcore bands. I mean, literally, like, we're, we came up in the Inland Empire hardcore scene and then there was no deathcore bands. It's us. You know, like we, I, I had this fucking sound in my, in my, in my head. And when, once that came out, I saw, I saw deathcore and suicide sounds in arenas since day one. Arenas. That's it. <laughs> sounds, sounds silly, dumb, dumb little naive kid. But sure enough, I mean, years later passed we're, we're in this arena with Slayer. I mean, proof, proof is in the fucking you know, shit. And to actually see it come back, back so the foundation of deathcore if you really analyze it has always had the strongest foundation we're not the best out right now i, I i'm well aware that there's cigarette bands out there but we built a pretty strong foundation we, we were a real band it came from a real place uh then at the same time you have drop our cowboy coming out and like they're doing arenas too and they're doing like the the uh sound to the underground festivals and uh, so we were kind of doing it at the same time and this foundation got fucking laid down and the road was just paved and then the bands that came out after us just took it did their own thing with it and i mean they're all doing sick shit and i'm i'm, I'm if it wasn't for the new bands coming out we wouldn't be in, in a second wave yeah you know it's pretty it's pretty crazy when you have an idea and then it has its own life it, the deathcore scene is its own thing now and it's just its own ecosystem of, of sick bands well i mean i think you guys were the you know, at, maybe at some point, Job for Cowboy was bigger, but to me, you were out of that, I think so. Out of that first wave, you know, it was those guys, you guys, Whitechapel, um, as kind of like the biggest bands of that that kind of run. Yeah. And but out of those those few, at your peak, you know, when mm -hmm. when Mitch was still alive, you guys kind of peaked out as like this is the one band that's going to break out. I guess you could say mm -hmm. bring me the horizon, but then they changed their sound. Sure. Um, but they were obviously doing that style kind of when they, yeah, when yeah. they first came out. Um, but then you, you, you kind of see how obviously you got, you know, Mitch passes away. Mm -hmm. You guys, it's a, you have to do, you know, even though the next album did well, it was still like, you have some rebuilding to do and of kind course. of figuring things out. Yes. Then self-titled happens and that kind of shuffles the deck again. Yeah. But I was also a big, in a we that was just a weird time for the whole genre, right? Yeah. Like a, like a lot of bands were kind of falling off or breaking up or disappearing. Yeah. Um, but I think with you know, the one thing that sticks out about you guys more so than I think of a lot of especially a lot of bands from the metalcore era mm -hmm. is a lot of the metalcore bands we all try to like level up culturally to be 
part of this just metal as a whole, mm. right? Yeah. And Suicide Silence, and this is just pure like music and like sonic aesthetics, mm-hmm. always had a lot more roots just in like the hardcore scene to yes. me. And I think when you're considered part of that culture, the every new generation of kids that gets into it ends up kind of like getting passed down the previous like this is it's like oh you're a hardcore kid here you need to know minor threat and black flag and yeah. gorilla biscuits and earth crisis right you get like a handbag yeah. of like oh here's all the stuff mm-hmm. um and so that's why you'll see a band like converge who's been around for 25 years you know if you go to converge show it's not just going to be like 45 year old dudes from 1998 it's yeah. they, like it's new kids discover that band right because mm. it's like this band is relevant and i think suicide silence just from a brand standpoint right like i like to me mm-hmm. like suicide silence to this day there's always been those bands that like oh there's a a hot goth death kind of scene chick wearing a, a suicide silence of course shirt. like in, in a way the shirt and the logo and the artwork means something even bigger than just the music that it's like mm-hmm. the symbol of what the scene is yes does that make sense yeah you yeah. know and that's kind of that's and i think that might be that along with musically you guys the last couple of records more in line with the roots of what people know the band as those mm-hmm. kind of two things then also this big second wave yeah but it's like there's only one suicide silence right mm-hmm. that means sure. that, that that band means that thing yeah you know? Yeah. Uh, and I appreciate that doc. And, uh, yeah, it's crazy that, uh, we're, you know, going on for over 20 years, still, still here. It's, it's crazy how, uh, which, which, which us and the guys talk about it. Like let the name of Suicide Silence is it's his own life. Yeah. And it's trying to like keep that going, which is, uh, it's funny how people like, I might do a terrible segue, but, um, you see, you see comments sometimes, you know, like, oh, they're trying to profit off Mitch. And I'm, I read it. I'm like, profit? Where's the profit? Because <laughs> if they see it, I'm like, where, where is it? You know, because I don't fucking have it. Yeah. You know, just trying, trying to keep up. Obviously, that there's a, a few things happening there. Like, you know, uh, scenes change, trends change. So, like, you know, there's a point in time where, like, it wasn't cool to wear a shirt anymore. You know, obviously, that's going to affect your, your wallet, you know. And... Uh, but also just fucking keeping like let the let the name alive took as a business standpoint took a lot of money that we didn't have. Yeah. And uh but it's obviously since day one is keep the uh integrity going and and now it's um no matter what at what cost is keep see that sounds alive. And then time passes and now there's obviously we were talking about the second wave earlier and now there's a second wave. People are buying merch again now. We're back in hot topic. It's fucking. Yeah. It's weird. But that's that, that's my point. And and we've seen this a million times, right? Like, for five years, it wasn't cool to wear like a machine head shirt, right? Mm. And then it it comes back around, right? Like, yeah, it's like crazy. The, huh? and, and obviously that that band went through many creative changes. Not sure. Too, not too dissimilar from you guys, but it is, uh, you know, depending on what kind of artist you are, there are going to be ups and downs, right? Yeah. Like where. Even, you know, Metallica wasn't, it wasn't cool, right? Oh, Metallica, they're, you know, load or whatever. And then now Metallica's, Metallica's doing their biggest headlining tour ever Mm -hmm. coming up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it all, 
not that they were ever small by 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 sure. any by any nature, but it's uh it is there are a lot of ups and downs, and you have to kind of go with the flow. Not everyone's just going to be like, oh, we are popular forever, and things never wavered. That's that's the yeah. rarity, I think. Sure. Um, thank you. Yeah, it's crazy how that that machine has been been through a lot. Yeah. You know? I mean, dude. I mean, I, dude. They have that great like little documentary they did about the through the ashes of the empires record where they you know they were off roadrunner and they they, they mm-hmm. couldn't get a record deal no one yeah. wanted to sign them you know you so think, crazy dude <laughs> dude they couldn't i remember when they released that record no uh, they they couldn't get any press in america revolver wouldn't cover them like nothing the fuck well i mean it was just that kind of you know new perceived new metal backlash i mean there's a lot of ba- yeah. i mean there were a lot of bands that you know even then i you know i was the example i always use is people like oh new metal's dead and then mm-hmm. i was seeing like static x like their entire tour sold out i'm like is new metal dead fuck no <laughs> that, that's that shit is a uh, alive and live and well it's it's kind of disappointing uh I, I can't go into it but this is probably going to be the fucking headline but yeah i'm not stoked on Roplin at all at all he uh he said something like behind the scenes i'm not stoked on um but about you guys uh yeah kind of directed towards us like musically or personally personally pretty kind of major too so i'm not too stoked on but i still fucking is there a reason why you wanted to bring that up now no just because i brought up machine head no yeah i'm just saying that i still love it's be it's personal because what he went through when his band went through should be more understanding of stuff like that but uh you know obviously i still listen to machine head i yeah. i still i still love him i still fucking respect him but yeah i'm not uh I, I, i'm probably gonna see him at some point and, and we'll hope we'll probably hash out in person hopefully hopefully <laughs> fences can be mended of course uh obviously of course. I, want, I want everyone to, to to get along and uh who knows if uh you know i don't definitely certainly don't want to get in between i lo- love all you guys and uh do they Ralph Flynn did one of the coolest things ever for me, actually. They, he, they played, uh, remember, we did that, that, that tour with them. And uh, it was Mayhem, and I, I approached him drunk, and he was, he was so cool about it. And I was like, uh, you, got, you got to play From This Day. That song's fucking sick, dude. And then uh, fast forward uh, years, we do a tour with them. Actually, not like a festival. We're doing a tour with them. Probably one of our worst tours in our career. Not to them, because we were like, one of the mentions last few tours ever we were like we're really drunk idiots yeah and then uh it came up again you know hey, you should play the song and then uh he asked the band and the the band uh you know shout out to phil, phil dummel and, and dave and damon clain and they they played from this day on my birthday in oklahoma and it was fucking sick you know what's in the set now right they play it now. Oh wow! Well, you're, you're welcome. <laughs> fucking, it's so it's such a great. I'm like, why don't you play this fucking song? It's well, be, great. Well, I think you, the 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 best thing with with Rob was he when he would do his um journal was it the general journal whatever like he mm-hmm. used to do these like blogs yeah. um kind of and some of them would like tell the the history of the band and feelings and I think what happens yeah. is we do these records that you know we and this is kind of this is gonna kind of segue into what what I want to talk to you about. Where maybe you take a big risk or you go for something and it sure. it maybe works at a certain time, but then it, it gets backlash. And then you, like I always say, <laughs> I know every, every time I make a record, right? So you, you, while you're making a record, you're like, this is the best record I've ever done. Yeah. And then it comes out and then you end up 
well, maybe because you just tore it and you play it too much. Then you go, you're like, you're sick of it. And you're like, I hate our last record. Then, sure. you, then the next record is like a response to the last thing you did. And then, Been there. But then if you wait enough time, then you're like, <laughs> nah, that record's sick. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. So so you, you're, you have an evolving relationship with your art. You do. You know, and you kind of love-hate relationship with it where sometimes you love it, sometimes you hate it. Um, mm-hmm. But the, the way that related to you is you know I, I asked Alex about this, but I feel like I I have to ask you about how is that up and down love hate relationship with self titled like what's your mm-hmm. what's your relationship with it now? Definitely, besides the cleansing, our most important record of our career. It's unfortunately it's I think it's a lot of behind the scenes stuff. You can't really. I know people listen to it. It, it sucks, or maybe people <laughs> a few love it. So thank you. You know the three people that that bought it appreciate it. <laughs> Uh, fans, fans for life, man. Hey, it sold. I'm pretty sure 5,800 copies. The first record. So don't listen to this guy lying. On, on <laughs> yeah, you know, you know the number. That might be the exact number. I'm, it's, I'm it's, probably, like it's probably the exact number, actually. But uh, <laughs> I don't exactly go back to listen to it. But I don't know if that's because the record was just in general. I just don't really listen to. I have an idea. I have an idea. Okay. All right. Either I think this would be cool, a cool idea, and, and is. Either you guys, what the hell is that? I don't know. Is, is Bigfoot here? It's possible. <laughs> so I think either, either it would be cool to hear mm. like a Josh Wilbur remix, or oh, interesting, or just you know you guys get with Steve, do Steve, have Steve record it and then Josh yeah. mix it and then just remake the record and mm. kind of just see what it would, like and even reapproach because you know our you know I. I remember the the kind of explanations of some, you know, like when you know Jared Dines was making the, sure, right, oh, like yeah. that thing. It was, it was but, tough, dude. and it was like, it was a tough oh, time. no, no. But the the idea what that they were talking about was like um, what Eddie was saying was, oh, well, let's not do the obvious thing, or let's oh, this thing that's sure. Let's not make it sound cool. Let's make it sound, and it's like, yeah. well, how about you do it, but just make it make like do mm-hmm. the, do the thing, you know, the thing that you were fighting against. Sure, just make it as sick as possible. And I wonder, just from a, because I think so much of stuff is like aesthetics and sound, of course. or like, yeah. You, you, and you'll see this with giant like hit songs, right? Mm-hmm. How it'll get mixed by like five different people. Like they did this mm. with the first Slipknot record. Like how many times? Like oh, here's the Chris Lord algae mix, and mm. here's because they were they're like oh, it has to sound just perfect for it to like work, right? Just of course the blend of certain things, and that can. I would just, I think it'd be really interesting to hear. I mean, they did that with um, As the Palaces Burn, you know, Land of God, great. and it sounds way better. It I mean, really vastly better. Uh, but anyway, I'm, that's, that's my little, you know, desk table pitch. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, hey, friends. My name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. 
So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to something about the Beatles, now at Evergreen, and wherever you get your podcasts. Appreciate that. Yeah, I think there'll be a time where uh, maybe people could revisit, but I think that record really won't make any sense, or people won't give it any time of day until our career transpires. Like, you know, once, like, once, like, I mean, like, I mean, like, yeah, it's, it's cool. To, I, I get it. I, I understand. It's cool to like the jump on it now. SS is done. I've heard, I've heard every possible negative thing. The washed up done. However, I once we're back in you know big rooms again, I think it's all it will actually make sense. All we did record because they were trying to write so, write better music. So in the same way that you asked Rob Flynn to play from this day, yeah. do you get some young bands going, "Yo, play this song from Self Titled"? No. <laughs> not once not once well dude. i think there's some some bangers on there. i forget all the, the names of them but there's some fucking bangers on there live some live bangers that i think mm-hmm. uh i think would probably come off might might bring it back there is a couple we were playing uh like in like the european festivals that were fucking slamming i was like oh damn this is going off <laughs> like it's going great but uh when this only is, only this time is, will tell this is when the when you were touring on the album yeah yeah yeah, with but no money. We lost our fucking money, dude. <laughs> I, w- I was living in Venice Beach, sounds bougie, with Eddie, and that money fucking disappeared. Just disappeared. Well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's better to have had money and lost it than never to have money at all. <laughs> you know, and, and credit to to Ross uh, Ross Rob- Robinson. You know, I asked him. We were uh, we had dinner during that during that record. We was I I, I I asked him a question. I was curious. You know. So I was obviously he recorded who they recorded my two favorite bands of all time are Corner Slipknot. So obviously I'm Ross. I'm gonna ask him some questions. I was just it was more selfish about me and uh, Suicide Sounds. But I asked him, you know what, like what will it take for a band like you know us or or uh, a band, let's say for example them, like to get back to where they were, like that that nasty that that made them special and big. And he said it's so vivid in my my mind. But he said give it all away. And without knowing, that's what that's what we did. Yeah. We, we were we had the give it. I look. I know. I know the record is what it is, and people have their opinions on it. But you know what, dude? 
we had the, the little little grapefruits to be like, okay, step back, man. You know what? Fuck it. You know, like let's let let's let's really start over. Let's we're not we're not we're not talking about it. We're we're gonna do it. And uh, it's, that's that's what we did. Took took the advice of my favorite one of my favorite humans on the planet. We we did it without even trying. That's kind of what we did. To start, gave it all away, all all the money. Uh, I was smashing all my gear. Uh, it was just everything that just didn't wasn't me. I just got rid of. And money was I had an unhealthy relationship with money back then. I was uh, in late twenties still. And uh, yeah, I guess you could say it was a quarter life crisis, but uh, just gave it all away and yeah. just start over because I think SS needed a, a big reset. And now, now we're I think we're seeing the uh, benefits of it. Yeah, it's coming. Well, if if you study the history of heavy metal like Doc Coyle does, uh, sick, you'll see these uh, trends right within mm-hmm. all. You know, heavy metal is not that old, right? It's fifty sure. years old or something. So it's not that much history to deal with. But if you see underground currents right and this happened with thrash metal mm-hmm. this happened with death metal uh where or even like the metalcore genre that that god forbid came out of where things come out of the underground it's pretty fucking heavy it's pretty extreme it gets a cult following mm-hmm. and then bands they start crossing over right they start selling records they start mm. getting big opening slots big festivals of course and then they next thing you know they're touring with the biggest bands and then they go oh maybe we can be like that sure and or oh maybe you can be on the radio and bands slowly start getting lighter and lighter and more accessible mm-hmm. and then sometimes that works right with Metallica and the Black Album and you become the biggest yes. band in the world yes. or like bringing the horizon becoming you know so sick. going to pop and all that shit yeah but a lot of bands do go for that and it doesn't work out right mm-hmm. so what do they do they they have the one sellout record and then they have the we're going back to the roots tail between the legs record. Yes. And what bothers me about that sometimes is, and I've mentioned this on the show before is sometimes those like more commercial records, even though some of like the hardcore fans don't like them or talk shit, there's a lot of good shit on there. And yes. that, and those bands learn really cool things. But then when they do the go back to the roots, they don't keep any of the cool parts yeah, from yeah. the change. That was my beef with it. And and so it's like and I'll, I'll get, one of my examples is like some of the newer Megadeth stuff. Even though like the, you know I really like the new record, I don't love too much, but the it's fine. But the previous one, um, I really like um, mm-hmm. Dystopia. But some of the stuff earlier before that, it was like oh we're it's more like we're gonna bring back the Rust in Peace style. But they didn't really bring the kind of hit making type stuff from the the Countdown to Extinction. Or like you've mm-hmm. seen this like I kind of noticed this with some of the when Dino came back to Fear Factory, mm-hmm. it, those records are almost more like Divine Heresy records to me because they were like super technical and super fast. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, dude, we, we still need the hits. And I don't care what genre of music you're making, whether it's fucking... It's possible to write hits in a heavy genre, dude. No, it's not even that it's possible. It's necessary. Of course. Like, I don't know if you saw that. Did you see the Rolling Stone top 100 metal songs? No. When, 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 when did this come out? I don't know, a week or two ago. Oh, shit. It's recent. Okay. And there's... There's some good stuff in there. Suicide Silence and Answered, right? Yeah. Well, well, no, but, no, but, <laughs> but like, I, I mean this completely like in a serious level. Like the the problem with the list is, I think the the newest song in there is like a Power Trip song. So like 2014, oh, no. right? But to me, you only like if I was making a top a list of top metal songs of all time, "You Only Live Once" is on there. Mm. To me, like I think that's appreciate like, that. I mean, and that's like the signature deathcore song for the entire genre. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. in, in the way, like you know, I don't know, fucking, 
you know, I don't, I, I don't, like what's the what's the definitive punk song or the definitive hardcore song? I don't, I don't know, like, uh, but yeah, <laughs> you know, if you know, I I don't know, like to me that that's something that if you guys, it's like I don't care what you're doing, the hooks have to be there. The yes, the thing that people can sing along to, the mm-hmm. riff that sticks in your head, the that one kernel that makes a hit a hit. And I don't listen. It's it's the hardest thing to do in in music. Oh yeah, it's, it's fucking right it's, right it's, hit. It's tough, man. Yeah, and it, um, you know, but anyway, so that was kind of a long ass fucking no, dude. <laughs> way, I, way to say is, is I agree. Like I agree. Do you, you know? And this was one thing I I, I was re-listening to um become the hunter, which I fucking do. That record's sick as fuck. Oh wow, I really like Thank you. Really like become the hunter, and then the new album um, remember you must die is like seems like it's more hardcore or mm-hmm. like more like we're just beating you down like this is just we're mm-hmm. going it's almost like did you listen to darkest hours last record no like they they did it with uh kurt blue oh sick. and it's like just more rocks i know you guys worked with like different producers right on this new album uh we worked with taylor young yeah. of uh god's hate uh he specializes in heavy yeah beat, it's like it's down. it has that fucking energy but it also yeah. feels like in many ways like a throwback throwback to like mm-hmm. like oh like I could see motherfuckers in like a legion hall, like Char-char. pushing each other in the face, yeah, kind, kind, kind of vibes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but is there like, would you think you would take whatever the 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 newer version of the, of the band or the kind of the return to form version, but then combine some elements with like self titled, like some of that? Because I love yeah. when you guys do like ambient dark shit, mm-hmm. like it's fucking super cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that was you know that that's the goal. But anyone with experience. With, with a band, you have an idea, but then you, you present it to four other humans that are going through their life at a certain pace. Let, like, nah. Yeah, nah. So if Keep I- it hard. <laughs> so so if, if, we're, if we're doing like, Become a Hunter, for example, a lot of people like their record, but obviously I didn't want to go so, I wanted to combine more of, of what we learned, but when other people were having a midlife, cri- mid-life crisis, you can't really exactly, you got to really bend to other members of the band. Just so sometimes, sometimes a good decision in a band I come to realize even still recently like just keep the band together how what do we what yeah. would I, well it's <laughs> you know compromise yeah in a true compromise sure. no one's 100 percent happy right everyone's kind of like of course i wish that part or i wish this and, and, and yeah. you have to throw bones you know like sometimes like i think you know let's say you're making a record and maybe there's a member of the band who's not a primary songwriter but you you want them to be happy so it's like let's let this person have a song on the record so they feel sure part of it you know yeah, i think that's even, even if you're like oh maybe this other but no that's and dude that goes back in the history of rock you know the, like queen would make sure they had a song that the drummer wrote or like kiss would have a song wow with someone in the band because it was important or the beatles are the same it's way very, it's very you know? important yeah you know that keeping everyone invested yeah and uh and i think one magic uh a magic with, with our band was everyone's still invested and that's something that like you know can't buy and i'm still pretty stoked on the guys that everyone's invested no matter even though i might get pissed off sometimes that you know we're, we're jaded or we might i might want to do more work but uh everyone's invested and that comes from like you know having everyone involved at all times whether we make a decision that's maybe not publicly good or whatever keeps the band together and us a unit is actually more more important i found because you know what 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 good what good is it if we put out a record that's sick as fuck and then we, we just break up yeah you know i think it's always been 
long haul, you know, I said this before the self-title, after the self-title. I mean, it's all about, that was our, that was our fifth record. But sometimes you got to do moves that like, you know, if we do this, what's our, what's our ninth record going to sound like if we do this? How about, but what's going to, what's that ninth record going to sound like if we don't do it? And once I saw that, I was like, okay, we have to do this. Because if we don't experiment and start over, like, our career is not going to be a career. We're probably going to go away. But after, so just doing, uh, doing records that have the career in mind. Okay, uh, this is, our eighth record is probably going to be really sick. Or ninth, we 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 do this, and then obviously you take you uh you pick your battles, and I uh, have you know oh they they get their riff, they they get the song, they get the drum part, they have everyone invested. I think is more more important, you know. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about the touring because you guys have mm-hmm. been touring. Well, actually, this kind of goes back to Become the Hunter because you put this record out. It was coming out right in the heart of the pandemic, like right yeah. at the beginning, and you couldn't tour. Yeah. Um. So I don't know if that. Do you feel like that affected? kind of people's and that was like the comeback album in, sure. ma- in many ways um do you think that affected uh i guess how that record was perceived or the or the success of the band or anything like that or you just think it just it, it all worked out um worked out but not exactly in the way people expect yeah worked out because you know timing always has its way you know but uh i can sit here and plan all day but time always wins yeah but uh yeah, I mean, I'm probably the guy not to ask, but the other guys will say the pandemic happened. But I'm like, you know, the pandemic happened, but a lot of other bands got sicker, and then yeah. things caught on. I th- I think there was a the pandemic exposed maybe some laziness, not wanting to adapt and evolve. And uh, yeah, we you know bands did shit. We really besides like the virtual tour, we just sat there. So it's really hard to view the pandemic at, at fault. Maybe it was our, our fault, and especially. Then to now, I'm just in the constant state of being being accountable. You know, what is this? Whose fault is this? Is it is it mine? Is it us? Like, what really happened? Other guys in the band don't don't like doing that. Well, but sometimes things aren't anyone's fault. It's no one's fault. The pandemic sure. happened, right? Yeah. Well, unless you you know you're like the China virus. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my Lab God. leak. <laughs> Chemtrails, you fucks. <laughs> you know, if you know, if you're one of those, and you know, mm-hmm. feel, feel free, feel free. Um, yeah. Alex Jones coming back. All right, Infowars.net. <laughs> yeah, but but one thing I'm I'm noticed that Alex Jones, he's a fucking psycho. I, I love li- listening to him talk. <laughs> just, just from a pure entertainment factor, I I'll listen to him and Rogan just go off. It's it's so dope. But, very, but yeah. it's very entertaining. Yeah, you're not wrong there. But but one thing this the, <laughs> uh, this the pod taught me was like you know this adapting and you know staying up a little bit later than you want to and do, doing some work some research and I just kind of bring those ideas to suicide sciences wasn't having some I, I've seen to compare it to now yeah and I'll kind of bring those same things to the to the guys and get a lot of uh, resistance and you know may, may, maybe it's half maybe it's half our fault half you know you can't control the pandemic but uh i think the record probably could have done a lot better if we you know maybe adapted to the pandemic a lot better but uh but what happened was we all we also did that virtual tour and that fucking broke us down even more <laughs> it was uh it was a cool oh, idea yeah I, re- I remember that yeah i remember that it, it was a cool idea but you know which is why i almost quit the band let's like, just our execution is wasn't we, we, we would do things but our execution we just, wouldn't things just wouldn't land yeah and then uh that was a big thing like the getting that thing together was was a lot of work and then uh because you, you did like unique shows for each place right yeah there is like some thing called like geogating yeah where you could kind of do a live stream but it could only be involved with this city yeah 
And it's like, okay, what well, we do like a world tour, like we do like like we stream for only this territory, and we're doing like two shows a day for like a month. So we did like, um, what was it like, fucking thirty six shows in thirty two days or something? Yeah, and that shit sucked. Yeah, like, just just playing that much, just yeah, it was like you, you know two two shows a day. So imagine like headbanging hard as fuck for like two. It's like this is got burnt out. It's a lot quick. of work. Got really burnt out. You know, we're not twenty anymore. We're we're in our thirties. Well, not like that. You we're also, in our thirties. But when you're playing live too. You you have your adrenaline going and you're vibing off the crowd and you you don't have that different you know? energy or yeah. a lack of energy. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, guests took you know touring for granted, took uh, the fans for granted. Like, yeah, I mean, that that energy exchange is real, and when you don't have it there, then you're trying not do only one show but two. When that shit was over, it was like, oh, dude, I don't want to do anything. Yeah, you know, so there's a lot of bad timing. But, uh, but but since then, um, and even kind of leading into this new album release, you guys have torn, been touring quite a bit mm-hmm. and headlining and doing you know having you know headlining these great packages and playing in front of a lot of people mm-hmm. and um, is is that as far as like scheduling is the record's coming out now and it's kind of interesting mm-hmm. you guys and I saw it's in flames they did all this touring before the album came out yeah do you guys have a, a nice run of stuff coming out once the record is out or are you still figuring figuring things uh my approach to touring is definitely changing the older I get it's not that I don't enjoy it it's just uh being more strategic I think uh some some a couple of things happened the past year more so the past six months that uh really uh, about evaluating how the band is and not working for other people because you know you see like the like the percentage payouts of other and say like, oh shit there maybe there's like uh, an incentive so again I think uh, yeah, oh yeah the, the the people that earn a percentage need you on the road of course money so which is fine but uh you know I had a I had, I had something happen where I was at home eating top ramen because I couldn't I couldn't afford anything else and I see someone else that is involved with our team. And they're in some downtown bougie ass LA spot. So I was like, time out. Time fucking out. You know, again, I I think I have I don't feel entitled by any means, but I think I've earned the right and SS has earned the right to say, it's not, not, not about the money, but right now, we, we, we can't be that dumb. We, we we can't be dumb kids anymore just listening to everyone, hey, go on tour. We're like, okay. Like, we gotta be like, wait, is it is this right for us? Is it right for the band? This is first of all, is this right for us five? Because if because we, we do what you want to do to pay your rent, we're gonna fucking break up. Yeah. And uh, so we so we're kind of at the end of that stage, like touring all the time, just to tour. Because we were we would tour just to tour. I know. And uh, you know that's a a, a hard lesson to learn. Uh, but I think we're we're past that. But um, the the end of the year is looking interesting because you have like the Danny Wimmer festivals going on right now. I, you I'm guys not, do know a bunch of those. Yes, yeah, so I'm not really sure how touring is even. I honestly don't know how that's even going to work out. We have these three shows in fucking Midwest and like, like two shows in Florida. Like, so I don't. You I, haven't figured out like a in between. No, I I don't know what we're doing. We're, kind of, we're going to have to figure it out. But yeah, it, I guess I didn't even think about it. Now then you bring it up. Yeah, we already did all our touring. Co-manager of Suicide <laughs> consultant. I'll be charging you a, a twenty-seven fifty uh, uh, consulting fee. Mm-hmm. But you can just exchange with this. Just send me the video. Then yeah. I'll clear your your tab. Thank you. You know, <laughs> and uh, yeah, you just kind of, which you know, obviously stuff like that happens. And then again, I, I look, I gotta look in the mirror and be like, wait, whose fault is it? Is it my fault? And maybe it's part, it's part my fault. You know, it's the band. Like you gotta be like, sit the team down. Hey, this is what we're doing. This is what we're not doing. Why? Why not? 
and uh, we're done being that dumb band. You know, I think people are getting used to me being a certain way now. The guys and maybe our team, like, I don't just, I'm not just, hey, do it. And I'm like, let me, let, let me see the budget. Let me see the budget. Let me see who's getting paid what. And, and then it's, uh, people are still adjusting to that. Yeah. But we're not, we're not dumb kids anymore. Only for a sole factor of like, dude, we're, we're older. We love playing shows. We headbang hard as fuck because we want to. But this, the body reality is just like, dude, after a tour, like the body's like, what the fuck were you doing for a month? You're not, dude, you're headbanging as hard as you can. And see, you know what you're not doing? You're not remembering that yoga you learned in therapy. You need to be doing yoga, man. Take care of that. I am back. out there. Yeah, the yoga is again. I try not to say it, but yoga definitely saved, saved my career. There you go. Totally. The back, the back straight. I saw a chiropractor. The back's looking good. All right. And Glad uh, to hear. Why? Well, I so I had the good fortune to well, me and I think me and John and I think we're the only ones that came, but uh, you guys played in Munich the same night mm. as Bad Wolves with Volbeat. Actually, you guys played. And Austria, I think the same night as well. We just we just couldn't make it out that night, but yeah. uh, we came and see, saw you guys play in Munich, and it was yeah packed show. People losing their fucking minds. Great, it's a good one. great tour yeah. lineup. Yeah, it's um, a good one. after the burial and, and, and currents. Yeah, um, but it, it seems like that you know at least when you do go out, and I know you guys have a, a pretty big headliner coming up. Mm -hmm. um, you know that that end of things is is healthier than it was say four or five years ago. Yeah. Yeah, we're all, you know, I'm, you know, I always give the guys shit, but I'm, I'm proud of all of them. You know, they, they've all come a long way. You know, all, they, some of us could have quit or stopped or, but you know, the guys, the guys are all growing, you know, I'm, I'm proud of them. You know, they're all maybe at, at their own pace, but we're in a very good headspace. You know, it's just, we're, we're advanced slow. We're not, we're not to where, where we were, but, uh, you know, we're still, it's going to take some work to, to, to get there, but we are going there, which is great. You know, I, I can't really ask for much more than that, you know? So, so. so something I wanted you to weigh in on, and I'm probably going to be like spreading this question around because I have my own thoughts, but I think it's important to, to talk to people who are out there and come from kind of the, the world we do mm -hmm. is, have you seen, I mean, it's like uh, guys from Monuments and, you know, Craig Randall's just talked about this, about a lot of bands or Bad Omens as well have issues with venues taking merch percentages. Sure. Um, and are kind of like, it seems like they're kind of doing some like we're putting our foot down kind of moment and some yeah. some I know monuments at a couple shows they uh just wouldn't sell merch because they didn't want to deal with it. Do you have any uh any thoughts on on this kind of you know backlash to to the whole venue taking merch percentage? Yeah, I I think stuff like that is tough because you can't just put it on the venue. Like who who owns the venue? Who owns that lot? Uh, with all the prices going up, you know, can it can it even stay open if you even that you can actually play the damn venue? Yeah, you know, I think everyone's struggling, band bands included, and it's hard to weigh on on that with the. I'm trying to be objective because SS has come from, Suey's come from literally. I'm as I say, we're broke. We yeah. couldn't sell merch. Now we're out on tour with like we're out on tour with Lorna Shore and these sick bands last year, and we're selling more merch than ever. Yeah. Premish doesn't even come close to this shit, dude. Like yeah. we were so I'm not I'm not rich. I'm I, I could buy a box of ramen now. Cool. But you know, <laughs> uh, we're, fu we're we're fucking playing House of Blues. The the shows are packed and we're selling more, more merch than ever. Is the merch cut does that that does that suck? Yes. But but it's true, right? Like let's say you're playing House of Blues, right? What does sure. House of Blues take? Twenty percent, fifteen percent? Right? It's, it's it's up there. So the bands, so if you have a shirt that you were gonna sell for twenty five dollars. Mm -hmm. That now the 
they're you they're sell for more. Yeah, yes. you sell it for more. So uh, it's not like I don't. I think it's a little overblown because it's always been there. Because you probably remember this, right? You were probably like, God forbid, playing, you know, VFW halls and basements mm-hmm. and weird shit. And then you did that first tour where it was like you're playing the House of Blues and they start taking merch. And you're like, you're what? Like, you're like, what the hell? Where it's like you have to match prices. You were selling shirts for fifteen dollars and now they're thirty dollars or twenty five. Sure. Um, and it it hits you then that oh, this is a different world. Yeah. And then it's just the cost of doing business. And I get it because some of these these bands, you know, they said we're, you know, we've given just as we spent, you know, we've given as much in merch percentage as our guarantee was. Yes. Which tells me those motherfuckers sold a lot of fucking merch. People are buying merch right now, man. Yeah. It's it's kinda and it kinda makes me feel like like shit because everything's going up. Not not just the percentages. Well it's inflation. Inflation it's, is it's hitting everything. Inflation, I mean like the Black T-shirts are expensive now. Yeah, I mean, there's a shortage. Take out our genre. Like buying a black shirt for a merch company is not. It's it's, it's not. It's not good. Yeah. And so their price is going up. Uh, their coworkers they probably they probably need to pay them more. Then they're going to charge us more. Our merch is pretty expensive. Just uh, just to get it out of, out of that fucking warehouse. And then you get the fucking percentage cuts at, at the venue, and then. I don't know. I think I'm just so accustomed to percentages just going everywhere and yeah. then and they mean getting nothing. I'm just kind of used to it. Yeah. But then uh, I'm always like to be to, to close it off and be objective. What's the other option? You well, know, I don't. Well, I, I don't know. I, I just think in their minds, it's like, you know what I, it, it reminds me of? It's like when all the George Floyd things happened was, oh was happening in the, yeah. the riots and, and the demonstrations and everyone's like, Defund the police. And I'm like, so it's like that just because you're upset and you're angry. Sure. And you come up with an idea mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's a good idea. Yes. <laughs> so it's like, of course. so I think what ha- what's happening is, is some of these artists are feeling ripped off. They're feeling taken advantage of and they're angry and they're mm-hmm. emotionally upset. Yes. But then they just go, we're sick of this. But I'm like, okay, but that's what do you think tomorrow that your contract still says you got to give the money like it doesn't like like it's like it's this idea that i think in their mind oh all the bands are gonna like band together and then they're gonna change it and i go but no. you do understand like let's say you didn't have to pay that sure right you don't think they're gonna try and get that money out of you in some other way mm-hmm. you know and it's and what, what i and i think one of the wrong sides of looking at it is like okay your show was sold out right mm-hmm but then maybe the show the next day, and they have some other band, they lost money. Yeah. When you're a promoter, it's a gambling thing. Some shows mm-hmm. make money, some shows lose lose money. Yeah, if, of course. You're, if you're lucky enough to get more winners than losers, then you stay in business. Yeah. But if you lose, then you're out of you're out you're out of business. And I think it the only way you could ever stop that is if we had a union. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, can you that that won't happen? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, musicians are are not fucking organized or nope. you know they're they're the worst out, they're out for self like you look at all these <laughs> no like like you, dude, you look at like oh like a lot of people i've had a lot of debates on this show about uh spotify right and the streaming money mm-hmm. and like oh spotify rips people off and they're buzzing i'm like i agree which is, which is the band's fault well it's not the it's not the band's fault whose fault it is is actually all the top artists mm-hmm. right so if adele and fucking you know Bit bad bunny and mm-hmm. all those people 
decided to get together and go, listen, you need to start paying us properly and you need, but guess what? They're doing just fine. Yeah. They ain't worried about us. They don't give a fuck that all the, 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 you know, because the bands at the bottom are struggling because mm-hmm. they stream so much that that model works out really well for them. Yeah. And you know, like I, I always said, I think the way Spotify or Apple music should work is if I spend $10 a month, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say I spend $10 a month and the only record I streamed the whole month was your album. I appreciate that. You should get all the money. <laughs> of course. You know what or whatever. Yeah. Spotify gets sure. their cut. But after that, it's like, why should the most streams get the most money? Right? Like, so if I have Spotify mm. and I all I do is like, let's say I just leave Spotify on random play for mm-hmm. the entire month and it plays just 50 million songs. Yeah. But, and then, so one person streamed 50 million songs, one person streamed 10 songs. Yeah. But their $10 is equal. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But one, you're paying money for all those 50 million streams. Yeah. That's a stupid model. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's not like there's extra money generated out of it. So it's like, I think if, you know, you're you're spending $10 and you listen to a thousand artists, then okay, then that gets split that way. And it should be, it mm-hmm. shouldn't be per stream because that's a, that creates a bad incentive. Like, how do I know there's not just some, you know, some office building in Thailand that has a bunch of phones out just streaming fucking, you know, the new which is happening. T- Taylor Swift song yeah. so that she makes money. Mm-hmm. I don't know that. Right. Mm-hmm. How, you know, so it's like, it's just, I, I just think it's a bad model, but we can't change it because we don't, we're not big enough or important enough. But if mm-hmm. the top 50 artists in the world got together and go, Hey, we're not going to stand for this, then they could change it, but they're doing fine. So they don't give a fuck. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, I, I think, I think it's all tough. I always kind of look at things. Like let's say let's say for like like the merch or Spotify, I always kind of I always try to look like like behind it. You know what you know what's causing that that reaction. For for example, with Spotify, I could be like, well, you know, back back in the day when that shit was popping off, like I mean, Spotify already made a deal with all the labels. So yeah. so like it's everyone everyone points the finger at Spotify, but it's not Spotify's fault. Look at the fucking contract you signed. Yeah, well, the, <laughs> lab- just, the labels, you know, did very well too, mm-hmm. and you know, so. Especially the ma- the majors have done very well from from, yeah. from streaming. And coming from someone that signed bad contracts, I haven't. The first contract I ever read in my in my fucking life was like six months ago, for, for real, front to back. I mean, you kind of trust people. Like, hey, th- like, this is good, and you find out, oh wait, ten years later, you're fucked. You know, it's just like you kind of have to like take take responsibility. Bands don't like taking responsibility for their bad decisions, yeah. and that's all. I know that from experience. You know, it's just sucking it up. Take, literally taking it on, on the chin and again and again man I wish I fucking read that contract I wish I didn't do that that didn't do this and, and it just snowballs all these things so then let's say you fucking try to sell your merch at House of Blues and you get it cut you're like again I'm fucked again as I got fucked 20 times in the past year it's just I think it's just all a, a build up uh, with the with the streaming and 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 the merch and you, you just gotta get through it you yeah. got, and then um, hopefully your band doesn't break up. You just learn how to deal with it. You learn uh, how to not go through that again. Yeah, I mean, listen I, listen, I get it. You know, having been part of Bad Wolves for how many years and seeing, mm-hmm. like, I'm not the main business guy with the band, so I don't yeah. I don't get, like, all the stuff, but I have a general idea of, of how that functions and doing the God Forbid shows and seeing, and I know everything, every dollar that came in and out with that, and I go, yeah, it's hard to fucking make money touring unless you're 
you know, at a, a headliner level. status yeah, stuff. and you can, you know, you're selling your tickets for X amount. And even those, you know, the, the ones that do that, they're making a lot of money, but they're spending a lot of money, right? If you got Dude, expenses, if are you got insane. three and four buses, three, you know, four or five trucks and lights and dude, it's the amount of people they employ and just hope. Imagine the amount of just money, not even you have to imagine, but just hotels on a day off, like a, a, a massive band when they're, they're buying <sighs> 25 gosh. hotel rooms in a nice hotel, right? Fucking four, four or five stars. Yeah. What a life. It's, I'm just saying, <laughs> but, it's, but it's like even those bands, it's like it's an economy and then you mm -hmm. have to kind of extract out what's at the end and the profit. And usually that is merch, right? You know, sure. a lot of the, that guarantee money gets kind of wrapped up in it. But I just don't think yelling at the ether and going you know what no if, if us eight metalcore bands complain enough then house of blues is going to stop stop taking the percentage i'm like i just don't think it's effective and i think it's like okay well the, then try and get a union together try and figure out and and again if the the problem with that complaint i think it like you said like uh it's not being objective you're not looking at the other side of it of yeah going, okay well what's their business model how sure. do they make money? I mean, I mean, do you have evidence that they're just like, just raking in the dough? Um, yeah. Because it's not like, because mm -hmm. you know, a, a a venue has a lot of expenses, right? Like, how do we know? Yeah. Out of that, like, what their business model? And if it turns, you know, but if you know, maybe if you look into it, it turns out, hey, we are getting ripped off, and we need to kind of figure that out. I think that's fine. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think there's better ways to go about it. You know, I don't know. Yeah, there's always better ways to go about it i mean life is one big chess game in general you know trying to figure out the right thing to do when how or just learn how to play the game you know because if, if if you don't then someone else will and unfortunately like it's just these are such deep-rooted problems for, for me personally because dealing dealing with like, my guys like people get so attached to a certain era of music and that's their era and that like, that's how it is and some bands you know it's success, successful at it or bring it along with the rest of your career but Musicians are inherently lazy, and and we're not, and we're also we're not businessmen, and, yeah. and, and, and we all got signed and played music, so we don't got to do that. But now it's you're in, you're in a position where you need you need to be smart where where the money is going, like uh like your merch company. Like we signed a contract with with merch, and like the, the, I didn't see the, I didn't look at the percentage. Turns out it's not a good fucking deal for us, and. We're fucked, and we gotta, you got you gotta, you gotta live with that, you know. I think whoever bands coming up now, or or bands are still around, like maybe like a Straight from the Path, or I guess Craig was mentioning that, or Monuments, and uh, I, don't, I don't know if they're doing this, but for me personally, in my experience, it's been um, looking at these contracts and, and looking, uh, trying to work with 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 the venues as opposed to this. Well, we're not, I'm not going to play there ever again. I'm like, I'm like well, actually. You know, I signed a, I signed a bad contract, so this is actually my fault. And then you gotta kind of redo all our all, all mistakes. So then, me personally, I would be like, okay, we're, we're we're doing this tour. Okay, these venues are probably gonna take a fat merch cut. We need to kind of make a more accurate merch order. You're gonna make a accurate merch. This is boring stuff, but you're gonna make an accurate merch order. Like you need to know your band, and a lot of people don't know their bands. Me personally, I didn't. You know mean my like band. not? ordering too much or yeah or too much you got it's kind of fine find that sweet spot anywhere that you could save money. not cut corners like i think anywhere where you could save money maybe uh just try trying to find out new ways you know that and that comes from 
other slew of problems. You know, got you got to be a band that communicates and come up with fresh ideas. I don't. You just you got to you kind of say something, and then that's that's what it is because things don't get solved that way. I don't like how I don't like the merch cuts. You know, I've been playing music for over twenty years, playing breakdowns. I have been hard as fuck, and I, I come home broke sometimes. You know, it happens. But uh, I think we need to have come come in with some fresh ideas. Yeah. You know, and that's uh that that's a whole slew of problems. You know, musicians, we're not we're not businessmen. We're not wired that way. You know, now now we're in we're now we're in a position. It's been happening for years. I mean, I mean, you're well over it. Just well, I I look at it like society in general and the and economies as kind of a a, a piece of this is like shit rolls downhill, mm-hmm. and the way a lot of professions exist is by finding a way to be a middleman. Right, Rex, mm-hmm. right here in this middle table. He's got a baseball bat. And me, I've been watching a lot of Sopranos lately. <laughs> the way you see the mob makes money is they just roll up on a spot and they go, listen, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we're gonna we're gonna take care of you. If you've got any problems, you let us know. And uh and we'll, but we, you know, we're gonna need five percent. Sure. Right. And that's the way this shit this shit works. It's like whether it's the government coming to get their tax money, whether it's uh you know, regulation like, oh, you need to get the, the, the fire sprinklers or this needs to be up to code mm-hmm. or whatever, or insurance or just all these million little fucking things. Mm-hmm. It's just part of our system. Sure. Right. And like, what do you do about all that stuff? Are you going to, are we going to make, you know, you get these people, taxation is theft. I'm like, okay, so you're going to make taxes disappear? No, you're going to bitch about it on the internet. And wish, about, <laughs> and wish for some utopian society where there's no taxes. Like, go to the place with no taxes. If it's that terrible, like, it sucks. A lot of being <laughs> existing in a, this framework is just dealing with bullshit. That's just, you know, and we figure out a way. And I get it. Like, usually the more money you have, the more power you have, mm-hmm. you get to not play by the rules that us, that yes. we have to deal with, right? Yes. If you're, you know, maybe... I don't know, maybe like Metallica, they're playing a fucking stadium and they go, well, guess what? We're Metallica. We're not giving you that percentage. We'll give you this percentage because they are so big, they can negotiate that. I don't know. Maybe that's not the case. I don't know. Yeah. But I think it's all this stuff, all these economies exist by this person getting a little cut of that, these people getting a little cut of that, mm-hmm. and it's it's just, you know, what do you do? Like, create some kind of revolution because we're all fighting for our piece of the pie sure you know and i, I think we have similar mindsets for where i truly believe in abundance you know I, I don't feel if anyone does anything i don't feel like oh i'm not then i can't i can't, I can't get my piece now what the yeah. fuck I, I believe that there's i think i think there's room for anyone um just gotta gotta figure out a way man it's gotta be fresh it kind of goes I, I can relate it to like, like, like the pandemic you know it's like two there's two kinds of bands ones that did nothing the bands that did something you know, was it, you know, trying to get my band to do something, it was fucking hard. Actually, <laughs> it, it didn't happen. I see, I, I know how, it's why I, I try to bring like, I, 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 don't, I don't know shit, but I try to bring experiences. And we did this, it didn't work. So, you know, back, back like when, when that was going on, uh, you know, we didn't do anything. And other bands came out like Spirit Box or even other deathcore bands doing shit or figuring out what was going on, trying to, trying to navigate, uh, like the unpredictable this could be another thing this is something else to navigate you know you know i've read it i uh obsessively read like business books and it seems like there's this common that this common thing where you just got to adapt constantly you yeah. just got to adapt and yeah. it sucks you know i mean i wish you know like like when we were first coming out uh 
which we, we were lucky. We got like that last fucking chunk of like selling records. Yeah. So like, I, so that I, the cleansing did well in the time bleed and black crown that they sold a lot for, for the time. But I mean, obviously we're like, we just came out a few years early. We could have got that big pot of money, dude. <laughs> and now we, now we got no pot of money. Like imagine we came out like five years earlier or 10 years earlier. I mean, you're, so you're always doing that, but that's yeah. just, it is what it is. Yeah. It is what it is. And we just come out, play music and try to do the best, the best you can. And, um, I learned like making music. I mean, making some money. I'm not saying I'm rich, but uh, making money has come from just not making bad decisions. Yeah. And when you're uh, us, you make a lot of bad decisions because you're so attached to a certain way of thinking or being in a in, in, in the music industry. You know, you lose a lot. You lose money. Yeah. I mean, well, I think the hardest thing is to develop something that's valuable that mm-hmm. people want. Sure. Right. Whether that's your music or your merch or to see the band live. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once you can do that, expanding on it and maximizing sure. it. And yes. if you're lucky enough to have something that's working and you, know, you see a band like Bad Omens, that's just like exploding, right? They're just, sure. they're gonna be one, I think one of the bigger bands in the in the near future. And they're already big, but I'm saying, I think their trajectory is, is, is very good. Yeah. Once you have that power and like you can like, you, you know, maybe it leads to different ideas. Oh, well, sure. well we're losing money in this way. How, what can we innovate mm-hmm. to find a better way to make merchandise more, um, you know, applicable? Like maybe you can do something, maybe a band can go, hey, here's merch. You can order it at the show and we'll ship it to you or something where mm-hmm. they don't, you know, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm like, yeah, thinking, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, who knows? You're right. You know, there's there's, you know? there's ways around it. And you if you go, and I think that's like, I think we have to be creative and yeah. find new new avenues because dude it's fucking i don't care what anyone says it's way harder to be a musician now than it was 20 years ago you have to do more stuff you have to be more mm-hmm. invested you have you have to be online on the mm-hmm. your phone all day which boils your brain sure uh and it uh and but sitting there and wishing it was easier ain't gonna help anybody it's it's no. just you know it's it's any any p- piece of entertainment where people would do it for free is going to create an industry that exploits people. That's just how it is. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's really hard to have like good foresight. You know, we say this or do this, what's this going to mean for the bands around us? It's, it's that's, that's really hard. You know, you got to basically tell the future. It's tough. Like I, I, I remember when SS first, first came out, um, bands were talking shit like, uh, around like, cause we, we we're lucky. We had like a lot of bands around us. There's a lot of sick bands, but you know, there was like a, competition and there's this there were the bands back then that were talking shit and i wasn't listening i was just doing you know you, just, you, you could either hate what's going on and it's like what the fuck the fuck throw and throw under your hands up and just say something out out in ether for no reason or you just, you just start doing something you know for i mean that for us that that worked back back then i kind of wish we still had that kind of mindset you know you just let's just figure it out and do it you know uh, these people were over here just talking about it you know but what what's the right thing to do? I I really I, I I don't know. All I know is just play music. Uh, you watch from the movies. It's a cliche, but it's fucking true. I found out the hard way. But watch your money. Watch your money. You heard it. You heard it here. Watch first. watch your money because that shit will disappear, <laughs> disappear. And then you're, you're looking at uh, who's getting paid what, and then you see what you're getting paid. And you're like, it's be a. You know, I think back in the day, you know, that wasn't necessary because there was so much money going around. No one really cared. But now you got to be, you know, got to have at least some one person in your band is kind of watching and like 
being communicated. But I try I do my best to communicate what's where, where the band's at, where where the tour is at, as far as financials. Kind of you know this is, this is how much it is. You know, and before we we had no budget. Yeah, there's no we didn't look at the budget. We just fucking went went on tour with a bunch of idiots. You know, and then like you know maybe I'll be the one saying you know oh. I, well, we're not doing these merch cuts. Fuck that. We're, we're not playing. Like, well, let's you gotta let's, let's, take, let's take a step back and really, you know, what like what's really going on. You know, we, we ain't coming in money because it's our fault. Yeah, yeah. We, because we're idiots. Well, I I feel like the way our system works of capitalism is, you get fucked over and you go, well, they're screwing us over. So then the only way it works is that instead of being, you have to be the capital owner. So now you mm-hmm. have to open the venue. And then you get the <laughs> and that's and that's hard because I mean I I don't want to get into this subject close it off but I mean you know one company owns all the sick venues or pretty pretty close to most of them yeah I, I mean, mean that, yeah it's a it's a that it's makes a, it hard dude it's a it's a difficult thing and um during and COVID too we're out doing jack shit and there's a, with one company buying up everything yeah and it's, it's, it's but but keep in mind it like a lot of the kind of monopolization of all these different sectors there's beneficiaries and there's difficulties, right? So mm-hmm. if you're a live nation band and some some bands sign, sign these deals where they get like advances, like giant multi-million dollar advances from like live nation to do like a touring mm-hmm. contract for X amount of sure. time. And so they're, that works out very well for them. They have a very cohesive yeah. uh, marketing strategy and they get you in the right venues and all this stuff happens. Mm-hmm. But then who I think who who loses out? It's the local mom and pop venue, right? That yeah. maybe they can't compete with that. And that yeah, we've seen yeah. that like the same way how Walmart or Target moving in kind of clo- mm. you know, makes the, the local stores struggle or yeah. the local guitar shop is struggling because there's a guitar center down the street. That's something we've seen across all sectors, right? You know, yeah. how many stores have gone out of business because of Amazon? But guess what? We all use Amazon, right? We're all we're yeah. all guilty. Of course. And part of the problem as much as us complaining about the problem, you know. Of course. So it's it's a, it's a very consistent thing. I think that's I certainly do not have the uh the answers to all that. No, no, it, no, it, it's tough. I mean, one thing that I've noticed like uh like to close off the merch subject. I noticed that like you know, we were uh I think bands need to really pay attention. If you're a younger band or older band, like really was helped us, like really, you need to look as long, long longevity. You have to look years ahead. Like, you know what's gonna make us the most amount of money later? And that could be like you know for us, advances don't work. You know, yeah. some guys want advances, but you get a lower royalty somewhere, like percent, yeah. a percentage that you could save a percentage here, five here, ten here, or happy here. That shit will add up in course of your life. Yeah. You know, SS. You know, Suicide Sons. We've yeah, we fucking fumbled that. So, like, you know, merch advances, you don't do that anymore? Oh, uh, not anymore, no. No, now, uh, I think the one we just took, that'll be the last one. I think you should probably, like, like negotiate, like, the best percentage as far as, like, the long haul. And, yeah. You know? It's, uh, yeah, get, like, the 20 cents tomorrow and don't get the 10 cents today. Yeah. Kind of, uh, and I think bands need to start, you know, paying attention to that, you know? Yeah. Well, advances, I think, often, what I've seen, it's, like, a liquidity thing where you need kind of X amount of money to keep the, the business operational of course right and so a lot of those things it's like sometimes you're just robbing peter to pay paul where you just need enough sure money in the system so that you can just operate on all these different different levels and there's mm-hmm. you know i don't definitely don't have all the answers on that and i think every most bands do operate in the realm most bands that are successful do operate in the these big advances whether that's yeah, some some uh some do and then that takes a lot of uh self-awareness with who you are uh, as as an artist and and 
and your band. You know, that took a long, long time for me to figure out. It took for an advanced band. Maybe it, m- it might change in the future. Sure. But uh, definitely not. Then uh, with merch, like we, uh, we started spending way more money on like the, the quality because yeah. I noticed like everyone was like everyone merch is sick. And what happened was kind of weird, but uh, kind of that this this risk for us it worked. So take 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 it from this is my experience. It could not work for your band, but uh, we started spending more time like I'm meeting with the company in person like i want you know what like, what, what should we do the colors and then and the, and the quality and you get, you get the price tag you're like oh fuck no but what happens this weird thing happened where like more people started buying merch and then they're actually proud to wear the logo therefore more people are seeing your logo out there out in like, yeah. the mall or the shows and then like you know hot topic came like, back around because you're putting out quality now it's like this weird thing where um even though it, you might be hurting for money like you, you always have to put out the quality stuff and then that's always a scary thing, dude. It's just, I'm lucky we we, we just had that muscle. We just had that muscle. Like, yeah, this is put, put quality shit, money, cool, no. Because in, in the long, it's always the long run. Like, you do, like, you will make it back, you know? Sure, I agree. Music too. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, you guys have a new record out. Remember, mm-hmm. you must die. Just So I don't know when this is going to come out. So this might be, like, a couple weeks after the record's out. Cool. But, uh... You know, check out the record. It's sick. It's heavy as balls. Yeah. Um. And it's, me and you, you know, we can we can talk about a lot of stuff. I feel like there's a lot of things I didn't get get into. Oh, that's fine. That's all right. You know, we don't want to. We need to go all day just to go all day because we course. could go all day. Of course. But you know, I think it's a great place to wrap it up. Chris, thank you so much for lending me your uh, recording environment. Wonderful, w- wonderful vibes in here. You know, this is this is. Thanks, l- man. A lot of good stuff, and I really appreciate that. And you just taking your time, and thank you for having me on your show. A while back and and i appreciate you returning the favor dude thank thank you for driving here man to have an actually in-person hangout hell yeah see we see we're drinking coffee now now we're gonna do shots <laughs> yeah oh yeah <laughs> mexican foods coming coming right up dude i'm ready right. thanks brother all right everyone thank you later peace
just heard Altar of Self, which is a song, kind of a deep cut from the new Suicide Silence album entitled Remember, You Must Die. And it came out, I want to say about a month and some change ago. I was supposed to get this episode out a while ago, and then this whole tour thing happened. So apologies to everyone all around. I can't help it, but say, I'm sorry. Sorry, I have to burp. I had some Coca-Cola. <laughs> Coke Zero to be to be exact. But uh yeah, I think that song is badass. It's just got it's just a nice head mid-tempo headbanger, which is our, our some of my favorite favorite songs out there. But I uh, hope you enjoyed the conversation with Chris. Uh try and check them out on their tour. They're out with Suicide. Well, I'm sorry, they're out with Dying Fetus. And uh apparently the tour is doing great. They're kicking ass. And that's uh that's what I like to hear. And, uh, and yeah, I just love Chris. He's, he's the man. I love all those guys. Um, anytime I see him, I'm in wonderful spirits, but, um, but anyway, so I, I mentioned earlier, I was like, you know, I had some other things I was going to talk about, but then things passed. So what I kind of wanted to talk about, and this, I don't have no notes for This is going to be all, all off the dome. So by the way, if you're like doc, I'm sick of the politics. I'm sick of the, the, the social stuff. I'm sick of the race conversations. I just want to hear the music. Then you you can you can shut this off now. And I always say, if I'm talking about something you don't like, you can just fast forward and go right to the right to the conversation, you know. But some stuff I just gotta get off my chest. I can't help it. All right. Uh <laughs> this is the only place to get to it. And this is buried. So if you're two hours in and you're still listening, that's on you. I always say that. But I don't know if you guys saw this, uh, you know, Tucker Carlson was fired from Fox News and they said, you know, for a multitude of reasons, uh, some were, I guess some are a bit mysterious, but, you know, they're, they're kind of putting things out there to kind of muddy the waters against them. And he wrote this uh, long text to a coworker basically talking about... Um, protesters or uh, Antifa protesters during January 6th and around that, that time and how like these MAGA people were like beating, you know, jump, jump this guy. And, you know, in it, he was essentially saying that he was like rooting for these MAGA people to like, you know, kill this guy. He had like bloodlust about it. But then within that, he, you know, remembered his, his greater humanity and that, no, I should, I shouldn't want them to be killed. You know, it's, and it's funny how some people will, will interpret that as a, uh, you know, well, that's him being a good person. I'm like, eh, no, nah, you probably shouldn't lead with the, I hope they stomp <laughs> the people into oblivion just because I disagree with them politically. Uh, that impulse is probably a pretty bad one. Uh, and, you know, for all you know, that him saying, oh, you know, I'm, I've come around on that. That that might be the performative part. Who knows? Or maybe it's genuine. I really don't know. But that's actually not what I want to talk about. What he said, which struck to me as the most kind of uh, uh, jarring thing, is he said, this is not how white people fight. Right? Um, and, you know, when I heard that, I'm like, okay, here, here we go. This is mask off 
you know, just blatant. This is, you know, old, this is old school racism. Like, you know, it says, this is some bringing it back, you know? <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I, you know, maybe some guys remember, I, I, I talked about, um, the Dilbert guy, Scott, Scott Adams, you know, kind of doing something similar. And this was obviously, this was meant to be a private correspondence. So this obviously was not meant to be for public consumption, but, what I was amazed by is how many people on the right were defending this. And I, and I, and it kind of like dawned on me and I'm like, Oh, we're like, we're in a different phase, you know, in our discourse around race where, you know, we, the way progress works is like you move forward a little bit and then you step back a little bit and we've taken some step steps back and it's interesting to hear so matt walsh scumbag <laughs> i mean in every measure of, of the sense um basically said well you know well i you know we watch videos on twitter and YouTube, and it's always a gang of black people beating up a white person. So it's not racist because it's true. You got? Do you guys understand that? So, so, so think about this for for a second. Um, their evidence is. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's not even get around whether it's true or not. But their evidence is that they just see videos on the internet, which if you follow kind of these ecosystems, right? People tend to be drawn to the thing that frightens them or disgusts them, right? So if you're the type of person who is generally fearful of a, a violent crime being done to you by a minority, you're going to be fed that, right? If you're the type of person who is really worried about police brutality or maybe police brutality against black people, you're going to see a lot of that stuff if you want to. But neither of those is empirical. It is literally just cherry-picked incidents. And you don't, you don't know if that video is from last week, from five years ago, where it is, what the context is. And the interesting thing is Scott Adams mentioned this when all this stuff was done. I'm sick of seeing white people getting beat up by black people. And then around, around this same time, there's actually a chart going around that shows that uh, 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 interracial crime, you know, and it, it's, it's one of the more dishonest to misleading charts. And it's this, I, and, and it, of course, in this, this thing, it's like, Black people commit more crime, violent crime against white people, and and devoid of any of any context. But let's say it were true, right? Let's say it wasn't a uh, a misleading chart. Let's say, uh, let's say they were right, right? That all the time, just you know, it's just the truth, you know. Just gangs of black people just beat up white people all the time. Right. Let's say it's true. It 
think of it from their perspective, as long as it's true, it can't be racist, right? So let's dig deeper into that, right? Let's say, so what are they actually saying? They're saying black people are more violent. They're more, they're more uncivilized. White people don't fight like that. We're better than that. Right? Because think about it. People from that perspective, right? Do they think there are systemic issues? Do, do they want to like intervene and like give more money or make sure, do, do they think that it's a, uh, that those people got, if even if that's true, that those Young people got to that place and are acting poorly. Why do you think that they think they're acting poorly? They don't think it's systemic issues. They don't think it's like historical poverty and oppression. They think there's something wrong with the people. You know? And it, and, the, and the most charitable way to look at it is, that, is at, at worst, maybe they just think, well, it's black culture. Their culture is fucked up. You know, there's no fathers around, you know. But how did that happen? Right? If you start peeling this onion, at the heart of it is the most basic, old school, you know, white people are better than black people. At the root. I mean, it's it doesn't get any more supremacist than that. But we've gotten to the point now, if you're not wearing a hood, if you don't have a, you know, <laughs> I mean, there was a, a Hispanic guy with swastikas and SS tattoos on him, and they're defending that guy. Oh, that can't be true. We've gone off the rails on this thing. And... Where people, they don't, they, they go, well, it's, it's not racist if it's true. You know? And so th what they want to do is look for the data, right? Oh, well, well, if I have enough, um, you know, if I have a study that says Asians are bad drivers, then I'm allowed to kind of... Uh, invest myself in that stereotype because I have a piece of paper that says it's true. And I, and I would, I would say that, well, what happens when you encounter a good Asian driver? It's that people are not defined by their, their, their racial composition or, or whatever their, their sex, their gender, their uh, religion, any, any of these things do not define a person 100% and you can't just utilize these things, the whole point of progress in this realm is that we judge people as individuals and not as a collective. And the fact that we're at a point where someone can say, white people don't fight like this. Why? Because to him, white people are better than that, than them. Tucker Carlson, this is a man who has, who, you know, called Iraqis primitive monkeys. It's a guy who said that uh, immigrants make our country poorer and dirtier. 
you know. And this, and this is a guy that Elon Musk is signal boosting. People like Glenn Greenwald and uh, Jimmy Dore. And even Russell Brand. They, they, oh, they like him. He's great. The standard, the bar is so low. The bar has gotten so low. And what it's made me think about is that scene in um, American History X where uh, Edward Norton, essentially, where he becomes radicalized. And it's because of his father. You know, he's talking about this uh, professor who's teaching him all these things. And and by today's standard, we call, it would say he has a a woke professor who's indoctrinating him (laughs) with CRT or something like that. And, you know, uh, I think Chris, uh, I forget the name of the actor, Chris, I forget his last name, great actor, plays the father, you know, and shows that how if you, you can explain to someone in a way that makes sense, that rationalizes racism and hatred, because as long as it's true, it's not racist. And so uh, if that speech that he, t- he tells Ed- Edward Norton in that scene, the end, of, the end of it, he says, the N-word, he says it's nigger bullshit, right? If you took everything up to there, besides the N-word, because these, you know, the Matt Walshes and the Tucker Carlsons and the Michael Knowles and... Steven Crowder, they're smart enough not to say that word. But everything else leading up to that would fit right in. And that's just it. If you don't say the N-word, if you don't wear a hood and burn a cross, if you don't have a swastika, you can't be racist. We've lost the plot. You know? And at the end of the day, I think it's more it's very important also to distinguish between Someone being racist, a racist person, and someone doing something racist or saying something racist. You can have a racist act and it might, and it doesn't have to embody your soul. We've lost that distinction as well. Um, so it's fucked up. It's a fucked up time to be in. And I think things are going to get a lot worse before they get better. And I think people are going to get hurt. And it's sad because. When you're, you can see the storm coming and you're like, hey, man, we should all get shelter and get some raincoats and, and everyone's just ignoring it, doubling down, you know. So that's my piece. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I'm going to leave that quote at the end of this. And you guys can listen to it. You tell me what you think. All right. Mama's out. So what is it? What is this native son? What is it? Thing. It's like this. It's like this book about this black guy. You know, it's, it's we're doing this whole black literature. You know, what is it? Black History Month? No, it's just like this guy Sweeney. You know, you, it's part of the course now. Yeah. What? Nothing. It's just you know, it's everywhere I look now. What? This. Affirmative blackchin. Honey, a few new books doesn't qualify as affirmative black action. 
Hey, read the book, Ace the Guy's Test. Just don't swallow everything he feeds you whole. You know, just because you see it on the evening news. No, but like what? All this stuff about making everything equal, it's not that simple. Look, now you got this book, Native Son. You know, what happened to the other books in the course? They're not any good anymore because Mr. Two PhD says they aren't? <laughs> huh? I mean, you got to trade in great books for black books? Does that make sense? Huh? You got to question these things, Dare. You got to look at the whole picture. You know, yeah. we're talking about books here. But I'm also talking about my job. I got two black guys on my squad now who got their job over a couple of white guys who actually scored higher in the test. Does that make sense? Huh? Yeah, sure, everything's equal now. But I got two guys watching my back, responsible for my life, who aren't as good as two other guys. You only got the job because they were black, not because they were the best. That, that sucks. Yeah. Is that what America's about? No, America's about Best man for the job. You do your best, you get the job. You know, this affirmative action crap. I don't know what that's about. There's like some hidden agenda or something going on. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. I don't know, I didn't think about it like that. Well, this guy though, I don't know, Dr. Swain, he comes on like so strong. It's, it's kind of hard not to listen to him, but I don't know, maybe some of what he says is kind of... It's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. No, no. It's nigger bullshit. You see that, don't you? Yeah. You gotta watch out for that. Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. I will. Good boy. Proud of you. Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamgoat's Van Flip Podcast. Every week, I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamgoat's Van Flip Podcast.